Hi, this is Hayden George, and I am here on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson, and our guest today is Tommy Chong. Yay! <laughs> All right, come here, because I'm going to get a contact tie, give you a kiss. Oh, ooh. That was nice. A little shock there. Mm -hmm. Isn't that, not bad? Well, oh, you know, oh. I'm, you got to watch, watch out, you wake the sleeping giant. <laughs> so the sleeping giant still works, does it? I wish. No, come on. Unfortunately. All right, so I've heard, you've had some health stuff yeah, going on. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling? Good, good. I'll feel better when I get my dick replacement. Now, penis replacement. Are you, no, come on, there aren't. Are there? Well, it's a guy. I mean, it's a guy. Right, your turn. <laughs> All right, I just want to say, you have the most gorgeous wife. Shelby is the most beautiful woman. Tell me. All right, she's, me. she's got a time machine. So, it's crazy. It's something. You, you Dorian, Gar Dorian Gray? Is yeah. I mean, I... There's something freaky going on. No, it's it's completely unnatural. Everybody says that. I mean, you've been married 44 years? Even longer. It, okay, that's crazy right there. Women, our oldest daughter is over 50. With Shelby? With Shelby. You've been with Shelby more than 50 years? Well, she was my girlfriend first. She would never marry me. I'm never, I'm never going to get married. I was married before, right? And she was my girlfriend, mm -hmm. and she loved that because I was, <laughs> I was okay. married. Okay, so okay, so what, what about that was attractive to her? Do you think? The, uh, well, well why did she like the fact that you were married to somebody else and she didn't have to marry you? Because she didn't want to have the. See, she's so beautiful. Her she biggest is. problem was that everybody that comes around and dates or something, they fall in love. Right. And then when they fall in love, you get possessive and you get jealous and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, she's a free spirit <clears throat> and she's like that wild bird. You can pet them, you can not love them, but when you try to hold them, yeah. they okay. want to fly away. Wow. And so that's, that, that's. I need and, some and, of that. And no, so I was married mm -hmm. to a very beautiful, uh, uh, gorgeous uh, black lady. Ray John Francois? Yeah. Ray John, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Maxine. Okay. And a childhood sweetheart. Oh, oh. I met her when she was 14 and she was the daughter, or no, the sister of a, a piano player in my band, or the band that we put together. And, uh, and Vancouver, so, was that the Vancouver's? No, it was the Shades, actually. The Shades? The Shades, because we were all different colors. Ooh, so this band. wasn't Four Niggers and a Chain? No, no. Oh, see, no. we can say that on this show. <laughs> that was the name of his band first. And then I, I saw that you owned a club called Blue Balls, was that true? No, no. Oh. That's a lie. The, it's on the, the Blue's Palace. But yeah, but it says on there that you originally called it Blue Balls. No. That was not true. No. Oh, see? There's writers. They, 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 there's so many lies on there. The, we were on a show earlier, and, yeah. and they said that Alan, Alan Barkin got her job, her, her first break on Cheech and Chong. And I've never met Alan Barkin. Is that true? No, it's, it was a lie. You know, Wikipedia. No, there's a few lies. There's some lies. I don't see us on. This happened last week. There we are. Okay, we're we're, we're alive. Okay, so 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 she so you were married before. So I was married, very happily married. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, I mean, Maxine is very straight Christian lady. Um, did you meet her in Canada? You did, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, in Calgary. And so Canada, how old were you? Was, she was fourteen. I was seventeen, sixteen. Okay. Seventeen. 17. And that's when it met her. Uh -huh. And then, then we were boyfriend girlfriend. Uh, and then, uh, you know, being a guitar player, uh, 
we got kicked out of Calgary. We got asked to leave okay, by, the, well, by the mayor. Okay, now why did you get, was it, was it a dope-related issue? Well, you know, I've always been in a sort of a very special category. I don't know why. Wait, I mean, wait. I kind of do know why. Ordained, you know how you get ordained? Uh, like on a mission? Yes. You know, because here, here, you know, I mean, oh, I'm this half Chinese kid from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, mm -hmm. and grew, grew up very, very, very uh, poor. You know, like no plumbing, no uh, really? electricity. You know that kind of thing. And uh, you know, my story is. is well, what, what did your father do for a living? At the, yeah, he ended up being a truck driver, mm -hmm. a distant mm -hmm. driver, but he was uh, he was Chinese. How did he meet your mom? That was. A, you know, I never knew until mom died, and then my dad was really sad, and I took him for a ride in the car, because he's Chinese, and, and he, he'd never speak. He never talked. Like, uh -huh. when he left, he never said goodbye. When he came in, he never said hello. He, he would just leave like a ghost and come back. Wow. And just, he, like, he was... So you didn't get the funny from your dad, I'm guessing. Well, he loved to entertain. Ah. And, and when... See, I learned how to play guitar when I was eight years old. Okay, so how did that happen? Well, we're in the country, and my mother, when she was pregnant with me, she bought this cheap guitar, mm -hmm. Sears Gun and Robot guitar. Yeah, yeah. And, and she couldn't play it, but she'd hold it against her stomach and strum it. So you'd get the music? Wow. And when she was pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when, uh, you know, we had a kind of rough beginning because my mother got TV. Oh. Uh, tuberculosis right uh, right when I was a baby. Oh wow! And so I ended up, and I got pleurisy. I ended up in the hospital. My mother was in the sanitarium and in, in, in quarantine. Wow! You know she you couldn't go near her. Mm -hmm. And and so and so you were a baby without your mama. I was a baby. I was first my my first experiences with with uh, like a woman a female was the nurses in the hospital that I was in. And then I, I was taken from the hospital when I got better, mm -hmm. and then I was put in a home, like an orphanage, oh. where my brother was already. My older brother was there, and my younger sister mm -hmm. was also there. We never saw each other in the home, because we were orphans. How, how long were you there? We were there, um, I think, uh, my brother was there like two years, I was there about a year, about a year. And, and you were like a baby, like a little? I was... No, no, by that time I was about five. So old enough to know. Five. And no, I, 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 my earliest memories was being incarcerated. It's funny. Oh, shit. And, it, and then... Did but, you get, was there any love going on there? Was no. There, no, no. No, but there was, but, but it, what it did, uh, then after I got out of the home, mm -hmm. because if you don't know any better, you know, this is your life. You don't right. know any better. Right. You know. Did they? Did you have school there? Did you? Well, you, I, well, you I, I was too young to go to school. My, my my brother went to school. Mm -hmm. He had it rough, because it was very. They were very prejudiced back then. And you, you know, were half Chinese. Half Chinese, and then we found out that we were actually. I'm I'm eight percent native. <laughs> and my brother oh, they too. must have loved and, that. And, and we both looked native. Wow. You know, and so so my brother, that's how we, he became very tough because he had a basically fight his way to, to and back from school. And they would embarrass the home kids because the home kids went to the public school. Right. And, and so at lunch, lunchtime they say, okay, all the home kids stand up. And oh, so the home kids had to stand oh. up. 
And then they, they were given the free milk. Oh. And, and, and then, and so every, you know. So right? shame. Shame well, is shame, all, shame. Well, all they over shame, the place, They tried right? to shame my brother, but he, he, he was so tough that, that uh, he, 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 he scared everybody because he was, he was that tough. And he was like two and a half years older than me. Mm -hmm. And so I only saw him in the home maybe a couple of times. Oh my gosh. Like he came by to see, hey, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. had your sister fit, a little I, sister. We never saw her. We never saw her. She was in a separate thing. For girls. Yeah, for girls and, and, and for, she was like a, a baby, an infant. Oh, aye, aye, aye. And then my mother, uh, then my dad bought, finally bought a, a, a house without plumbing and without uh, electricity. Were you were like in the in very rural, was it? Did, we were just past the building inspector. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so you, you can get away with it. So you give anything. That's why when I see the homeless people, that's what we had back then. Wow. Like when we where we lived, we were lucky because we had a roof over our head. See, this is in Calgary. This is like when it's, you know, we had winters like 20, 30 below for weeks. Did your parents live to see you have success? Oh yeah. Oh, big time. Big That's time. so great. Now, my mother, like I said, she had TB, so mm -hmm. back in the day, they never had that medicine. Right. In fact, they, they discovered right after they took out her lung. And so she she was minus a lung. And then she got better. Mm -hmm. And then she got out of the hospital, and then she came and lived with, with us. And, you know, then we got her mom back. And then my dad, my dad was a gambler. I, I never knew how, but he was Chinese. When he was young. Is and that like a thing? I don't of, even know that. Oh yeah, oh, Chinese. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And he was a single guy, and uh, even though my mom was, they were married. Right. He was single. Yeah. You know, and he was young, and mm -hmm. and so he had. Was he a good-looking guy? Yeah, he was very handsome, mm -hmm. very macho, mm -hmm. but short, five mm -hmm. foot three, but very, he was a football player. He, he was wow. a line, uh, running back mm -hmm. in the, in in high school, in high school. He grew up in Vancouver. So he was Canadian, oh. right? born in Canada, but he, he was raised Chinese. Mm -hmm. And he never taught us any Chinese. He never spoke to us. <laughs> he never really In either us. language? Either language. He was very quiet. Do you speak French? Me? No. no. I, my wife does. Shelby. Shelby does. Shelby's a brain, by the way. She's talented. She's a brain. We're going to have to get back to because there is no way she can look like that. I mean, I was really looking. She's unbelievable. She hasn't changed literally since I knew her uh, when I first met her, and that's interesting too. So anyway, I get yeah. married to Maxine. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, the guitar. Go back to the guitar. So, do you just pick it up and start teaching yourself? How does that happen? More or less. Mm -hmm. More or less. What kind I, of music are you listening to? Music. Well, we, we you don't have only, anything. No, the only thing we had a radio. Okay. And I took custody of the radio. Yeah. I would take that radio. Listen to it because I, being a middle kid, yeah, I, I was ignored. My brother had to do all the chores and all the work, and everything. my my baby, uh, my sister, she got the attention for me. Right. I was in the middle because I went to the home. I was like quiet. I was left alone a lot, you know? uh -huh. and I got used to it. And you know, I didn't know any any other life. Right. So the guitar, I started playing around with the guitar, and uh, you know, learned a few chords and. And I liked it. But my first love was an accordion. Oh, God. 
Hayden's grandfather is a professional accordion player. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. I swear to God, he's like, that's he's his thing. He's like, yeah. I love, my, I had a cousin, yeah. uh, Chinese, uh, my, my, see, in Canada, the immigration, there was no Chinese-speaking immigrant immigration officers. Uh -huh. And so when the Chinese come in, everybody was related. Oh, that's my uncle. <laughs> that's my cousin. You know, just to get him in. Yeah. And so I had an uncle, Joe, Chinese, mm -hmm. my dad's buddy. Mm -hmm. And they adopted a white kid, uh, Winky, was his mm -hmm. name. And Winky was older. Mm -hmm. He was our, our, our uh, what do you call it, um, teacher of bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd go visit them. Yeah. You know, we could pop and Joe would go sit in the kitchen, talk Chinese. Joe was a, a cook in a Chinese restaurant. And they would talk their Chinese, and my mom, and and, uh, and Joe was married to a Ukrainian lady, Helen. And so Helen and my mom would sit through this. What was your mother's um, lineage? Uh, she, well, I found out she's 25% native. Oh, native. And she was Scotch-Irish. Scotch-Irish okay. and native. You got a lot of stuff going on Oh, <laughs> no kidding. Well, my mom, and my mom was incredibly, beautiful and inside she was mm -hmm. an angel pure angel even though she had one lung you know she we, we, we grew up that day. she was washing by hand wow. and hanging the clothes on the line that wow. kind of stuff I mean yeah. to live without electricity and all of that yeah. that's, that's challenging when you have yeah. kids but, but it, it, it created a thing called chores mm -hmm. <laughs> you had to bring in the wood bring in the water take up the slop pail uh, you know that whole thing and the only thing my dad... Do you think that gave you um, a certain work ethic? Having It gave me a body. Mm -hmm. Maybe my brother, too. Yeah, yeah carrying that working. water. Carrying yeah. that water. You know, when you're eight years old, you're like a man. You, in the farm, on the farm, you know, eight-year-old is a, a farmhand. Wow. You know, and, and we, had, like, we had chickens. We had a little garden. We had... Uh, in fact, my dad rented... <laughs> He's so Chinese. He rented the poorest land you get on a hill <laughs> for us to grow potatoes. And uh, potatoes and, will grow anywhere, I hear. Oh right? uh, yeah, on the side yeah. of the hill, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that—that's the food that got us through the winter. Wow. We grew our own food. We had our own uh, root cellar. And like I said, my dad was more of a gambler, and, and he hung out in the gambling joints and in the bars. And mm -hmm. He wasn't a much of a drinker. But he was, but he worked. Okay, that was my other question. Any addiction anywhere near, like, no, none of that going on. Couldn't afford it. But it was a blues culture. Mm -hmm. And like so, in, in and Canada. so, yeah, and uh -huh. so we made friends with the guy. He built his house across the field from us. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would take my roller skates and go roller skate on top of the, the, the flat, the flat mm -hmm. uh, part of the house. And then we got to be good friends. Well, this guy, Mal Powers, was a fiddle player, excellent fiddle player. And so I played a little guitar. So Mel found out. Then his guitar player couldn't make it one night, and so they enlisted me. Okay, you, you're playing. And so I, I played guitar. You're a little Mel. Sears acoustic guitar. I, I was eight, nine years old. Oh. That's when I started. And, and and so they'd have parties at the house, mm -hmm. our house, our little house. Now mm -hmm. the, now we had electricity. Ah. And we had a wood wood stove, mm -hmm. and we had a, enough of the, of. A, of a, living room that we could have people dance and party. We'd be in the corner playing away. 
And so what kind of music are you playing? Country. Country music. Hold down. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what kind of music are you li- are you listening to? What do you what do you Everything. Do? Well, we only had one radio station. Okay. In Calgary. Is there any comedy on that radio station? No. None. Oh, yeah, they did. In the morning, they would play uh, comedy. And that's where I heard what was was football <laughs> by uh, Andy Griffin. That was the first comedy record I ever heard. Wow. What it was, was ever hear that one? Well, you, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I heard it the other day on, on my... I don't think I've ever show. heard Andy Griffith's comedy. Were, were you... Were you um Were you already funny? No. Was that was that something that came natural to I you? I always hung with a, a, a friend. Mm-hmm. I always had a, a, a best friend, and we would, we would be funny. We would do silly things, like kids do. Mm-hmm. You know? Because, like I said, I was the second kid. So I didn't have any responsibility, and so I could skate around, you know, get away nice. with everything. Mm-hmm. And plus, I wasn't the strongest kid because I'd spent a year in the hospital, right. and so Four my legs, my legs never really developed mm-hmm. like my brothers did. Mm-hmm. You know? my brother. So you didn't play sports? Yeah, I did. I, you did. Oh, I actually did, but I wasn't that good. Thank mm-hmm. God. <laughs> Thank God. I played hockey. You know, we learned how to play. Uh, learned how to skate on the road because everything was frozen. Oh. Wow. And. Uh, can but you still was, skate? Oh yeah, but we um, we we played in like uh, fro- anything that was frozen. That's what you know, like a, a frozen slough they call them back mm-hmm. there. And we scrape off the or the big guys would scrape off the snow, and we play hockey. And uh, but with nothing, nothing organized. Right. You know, back in Canada, <laughs> you kids get outside. <laughs> that, that in, in, I from the Bronx. It was the same thing. Get, get outside. outside. Go yeah. outside. Get out. Everybody. Get it, get out. But there. it was cold up there. And Holy then, shit. and then, okay, you're not don't come in here, you know. Yeah. And but you had to come back. We had to do our chores, you know, so we had to come back for that. But there was no uh, do your homework or anything like that. Okay, so when you're in when you're in school, did you start to write like? Well, my favorite. Uh, thing about school was literature. Okay. Love literature. Were you a reader? Oh. Everything. Everything. I and I love literature and I love hearing the stories. I get involved in that, you know. And I loved art, but I, I was in you know, self you know Deprecating? Um, you didn't believe you had talent? Yeah, well, you know, it's like I never I even to this day I don't I can do things but I don't have patience to sit there and, you know, really mm-hmm really do it but but in school I, the thing I couldn't get in my head was math algebra I could not do math algebra and that stopped me from high, from getting an education because mm-hmm. you know in Canada the, you, you, uh, you had to have good grades to get into the matriculation course and then all the other courses in high school they just put you in the trade school you oh. know learn how to be a mechanic learn how to be an electrician what did they do to you? Uh, I took electricity, mm-hmm. electrician thing, mm-hmm. and uh, but, I, but but you're playing music through this whole thing all the way. And and what happened? In order to make to get money, when you're 13 years old, you could join army cadets. Army cadets wow. paid you to go to their army camp in the summer. Wow! And they paid us a hundred dollars for like six weeks. Oh wow! That was a lot of money then. And you got paid at the end of the the session. You got twenty dollars, so you got five dollars a week for for like 
a month. Mm -hmm. and, and, then, uh, and then when you went home, you got the $80. And that, that money would buy the school clothes and wow. everything we needed, you know. Wow. And I was in Army Cadets from 1953 to 19, oh, 1956. So what skills did you learn in Army Cadets? Oh, not did, very good. You don't <laughs> learn much. You don't, they don't, you're not with oh, weapons. Yeah. You're oh, with weapons? Yes. Oh, you, know, you, know, you know the skill I learned? Marching. <laughs> I loved, marching. I loved That's a good skill. Close order drill. Yeah, marching. I loved it. Because wow. sometimes you would have the... Uh, Bagpipes mm -hmm. band in front of us, mm -hmm. you know, for parades. Mm -hmm. And when when you hear that, you you <laughs> hear that that stuff, you can see why the Scots would go to war with that bagpipe because it, it's it just, driving music. Oh, really? Oh, I mean, it just and the drums. Oh, and you get that feeling, and you, you could just march forever. But what it did, what it taught me, mm -hmm. was how to take orders. Mm -hmm. Like when a right turn, you got a right turn when they tell you. Left turn, standard easel. Yeah, I had, I had all these skills that you had to learn, and how to stand upright, and how to march, and be in step, and all that. So I learned. I, I, that's the part I really liked. Mm -hmm. I like that part. Uh, the the range, we had we shot with live ammo. Wow. And and, and but you learn you learn to respect the, the weapon, mm -hmm. and what they would do like when the shooting range in like in Calgary, mm -hmm. they had a range that are in the armories. Mm -hmm. And the, the sergeant would bring us down, and we weren't allowed to touch the weapon until we got there. And then we were given the rifle and one bullet. And every time you fired, it was one bullet at a time. Wow. I, I got were you a good shot? Yeah, I got a marksman. I could have been a. I, when you, when you uh, finish Army Cadets mm -hmm. in, in Canada, uh, it, you can go to officers' training. Right, right into mm -hmm. the officer's training course because mm -hmm. you had all the basics. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that's what I, I grew up there. But when I was in Army Cadets, especially in camp in Vernon, B.C., there's an Indian native kid named uh, Dick Bird. Mm -hmm. He played guitar, and he heard that I played guitar. But I had my accordion there at the time, but I never played it for anybody. Just I just played it by myself. And uh, but he heard that I played guitar too. So are you singing? No. You're not singing? Oh, yeah, just for myself. Okay. Like, I would, when I was a kid, I'd be home. I loved to sing. Like, uh, like my dad came home with uh, a song list, you know, because he had sing-alongs in the Army and that, mm -hmm. and, and I would sing those old old songs, you know, just for myself. Right. Just. Did you guys have a TV? No. Oh, no television. There was no television. There was no television back then. Oh my God. I remember when it came in. In the, when, in the 50s, right? When, yeah, when we moved into uh, our wartime house. Because we went from the shack uh -huh. to the, the. Then we stayed with relatives, the, the, the one relative. The, the Joe guy. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Joe, Joe mm -hmm. Ma. Mm -hmm. And when we moved into the city. Mm -hmm. uh, now, see, we lived in the country. Country, uh, very tough people. Especially in the in the country schools, because mm -hmm. you never get an education because they take you out of school to work the fields, wow. to far harvest time, mm -hmm. and so a lot of the kids never really got educated, mm -hmm. and so there would be eighteen year old kids like in grade uh, uh, six or seven. Wow! And but you learned to read on time because literature was your favorite class, and so you, you learned oh, to no, read. Oh no, no! When I was in school, I, I 
I, I read everything I could find. Mm -hmm. and, and the school was a long way away. The school was miles, miles away. Did you walk? No, I had a bike. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. Too. How did you ride a bike? Like, because it must have been a lot of snow and stuff going on in Calgary. Not in the summertime. Okay, right. Yeah. Not in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And in the wintertime, too, uh, you could ride on the roads. Roads would be uh, packed. Packed enough. Mm -hmm. But I went to a school where a lot of the kids came to school on horses. Oh, God. And it wasn't this romantic. Is it wasn't romantic. It wasn't romantic. Oh, the, the ones that had to take a horse to school, oh, they hated it because they had to. Take this horse into the barn. They got to rub him down and feed him. And, you know, wow, do all that this stuff. is like another. And so with me, I take my bike to put it in the sidewalk, and I'm, I'm, I'm there. And 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 I learned a lot walking to and from school because it was about a, a, over a mile, mm -hmm. and we walk cut through a field, mm -hmm. go past. And that's when you learn, you know, go past a slough where there's, you know, the water melts mm -hmm. and. And it's like a pond, mm -hmm. and it's full of all sorts of creatures. <laughs> and like kids, like Tom Sawyer, you know, we'd be there. But I was always an observer. Mm -hmm. There's always older kids that were doing all this stuff, and I was an observer. But the first time, and the only time, I got a spanking from my mother. I was just going to ask if you were a good kid. Yeah, go ahead. The first and the only time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to school, and, the, and there was a bad kid that lived in the neighborhood on the corner store. His mom owned the corner store and he would, she was like they were single, rich then, she right? was a single parent well they had the phone the telephone mm -hmm. for the neighborhood it was in the corner store wow. one phone his name was Billy mm -hmm. Billy Gray and so Billy was one of the kids that would, had a horse and so we're, I'm walking to school one day and it was a Friday I guess yeah it was Friday and uh, it was a nice day, mm -hmm. beautiful day, and I'm walking, and Billy rides up beside me and says, Hey, come on, come on, jump up. So he helped me up. I got behind him. Next thing you know, we're not heading for school, we're heading for. <laughs> the we're bad heading, kid! We're heading for an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we turn, and next thing you know, we're, we're, we've gone over to where this, this ranch, and there's a big, big old steer in the, in the, in the corral there. And, and when you just ride, we didn't have to get off the horse. We never got off the horse. Just rode in there, rode around where everybody was doing their farm work and that. We just had a, a great, great day. Did you get in trouble for that? Oh. <laughs> I got home. No one said a word. I walked in the house, you know. No but one said, you where were you? you no one said, where were you? Nothing. And again, you know, from the home experience and everything else, I was never one to say, hey, guess what happened to me? You were quiet. You were just quiet. You walk in. Mm -hmm. You don't talk unless someone talked to you. And, and, and so no one said, where were you or what happened or nothing. But I got, I, now in retrospect, I, I got the looks from, <laughs> from my brother and, and from my mother. So they already knew. And so every Saturday <laughs> night, mm -hmm. that's bath night. And so we would take a big galvanized tub and heat it, heat the water on the cook the stove, mm -hmm. and then bring the tub down, and then of course it was like one at a time. Well, the parents would, or my dad, if he was there, he would bath first, mm -hmm. and then we so all well, according to the pecking order. Yes. So your sister's getting a pretty dirty bath there. Well, no, she because she's a girl. She oh, she was, okay. So you were the one who was getting the dirty bath. So so by the time. <laughs> By the time it's my turn, you know, and I'm, I'm bath, okay, I'm, you know, because you don't, 
stick around. The water's about this oh, deep. Oh, that's cold. And you're you're in there. <laughs> you try to get it done real fast. Yeah. For some reason, I'm not being helped out of the tub. And so my mother said, "Stand up." Oh. So I stood up. And next thing you know, whack. Oh. The strap. Oh. And I got about. How many wax? About three, about three or four wax. Oh. Don't you ever miss school again. That's all she said. That was the only time, first and only time I ever got waxed by my mom. Wow. And your father had nothing to, your father yeah, stayed out Yeah, he wasn't even there. Uh-huh. He wasn't there. He was out. Gambling around. Gambling or working or doing driving trucks. What, so what was the gambling of choice for your dad? Do you know? I, I, I have no idea. They, they have all these Chinese games that they play. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was never in Mahjong. Did they gamble with Mahjong? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have this other one. That, yeah, they call Lolly Dominoes and that. Mm-hmm. No, I never had a conversation because we're kids. See, back in the day, parents never talked to kids. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But what I would do, I would come home, because I was a good storyteller. I, I would come home and, and, and talk about what I learned in school. Okay, so when, teach, so teach my dad. when did that start? When did you become aware that that was something that you, did you always do that? Was that no, something? No, I, I, I wasn't aware. Uh, I guess the turning point in my life was, was uh, church. Okay. Because there was the only entertainment you had out there was church. Wow. It's the only one. There's no movies, theaters, there's no television, there's nothing. So the only only entertainment was church. And it was the only reason to get dressed up, you know, get on your nice clothes, mm-hmm. to go to Sunday. And I went to Sunday school. I loved it. Did you? I loved it. Because of the stories? The stories... But they're tough teaching, mm-hmm. you know, all the stories. When you are, because you're a spiritual person, I know that you have a meditation practice and, yeah. and, uh, the, well, that's where it's the I Ching. Well, that's I, where it's I'm, I'm learning about the I Ching because of you. I, yeah. I'm, I'm motivated now to learn oh, about it. Oh, you gotta do it. I know nothing about the I Ching until oh, I started reading You're gonna love it. You're really? gonna love it. Okay. No, the, when, when you went to Sunday school, the nicest people. And then one summer, my brother and I, like we were like natives. Mm-hmm. We never wore shirts, just bottoms, and most of the time no shoes. Mm-hmm. And we'd play cowboys and Indians. We'd get our get our make believe saddles on the fence, <laughs> and, and we'd be, and we're, we're, for some reason we were always Indians. Yeah. <laughs> well, really you, you kind of had that innate sense. And so, so like toys, there was no toys. Wow. You never, there was no toy store, and 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 sporting things, there wasn't a toy. It was something you played sports with. Right. So, so you, you make your own uh, toys. Mm-hmm. And my toy, my favorite toy, was a knife, like a, a paring knife, mm-hmm. about this big. And I learned how to throw it. And my brother learned, well, my brother was incredible, because mm-hmm. he was older and he'd take that knife. Really good. And the, the trick was to throw it so it would, boom, into the, you know, stick in there. And you had to, you had to know, know how to do it. And so we, we, we had a little barn, little shack, and that's where we'd throw the knives into the store. And my mother, and then that's where I learned how to carve, too. I'd sit by the, uh, the wood stove and, and, and carve. Just make, make guns. I made a gun. Wow. Uh, my own pistol, because you never had to. Like I said, there were no toys or anything. We made stilts. 
you know, the, yeah. we, we find there's a lot of construction going on around our, our houses at the time. So I find that we'd find a, my older brother, you know, he, he was the one that would. He was resourceful. With, with his friend too. Mm-hmm. They, 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 would, they would, whatever the latest thing was. And, mm-hmm. and then I'd come along and after they got tired of it, I'd end up <laughs> playing with it, you know. So amazing that from such humble beginnings, you had so much success, like. Well, see, it, what it was, see, even the, uh, the the spiritual books is that you can't have anything until you don't have anything. You know, you got to start with nothing, and that's what that's what I did. I started with absolutely nothing, and then I got everything. So, did were you motivated to get it, or was that just a byproduct of what you were doing? The the truth was, the Sunday school took with me. Mm-hmm. I listened, like the teacher, I remember her very vividly saying, you know, God's all around you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking home, now imagine, we're in the country, and we're walking through this field, there's no lights or anything. And, and so I'm looking around, and I got my friends with me, mm-hmm. and, and it's so bright, the moon is so bright that, that we could see. It was almost like day. And I'm walking home with the friends, and, and just to myself, and I said, if God's all around us, where is God? And so I said to myself, okay, God, where are you? Where are you? And I was looking around, and for some reason I looked up in the air, looked up in the sky. There it was, it was the, the Milky Way. The stars were so bright, you could almost touch them. You could see comets going by. You wow. could see all things, the star. And so when I said, God, where are you? It was like he said, I'm here. Oh, wow. You just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and even... Did you dream of a different life? Or were you content no. in your life? You were content in your well, life? I had no idea. See, when you're that age... And you're, there's no TV. There's no movie. There's no movies. You don't see any movies? No. No movies. Until until we got a little older. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the, to the movie where you get in for a nickel. Do you remember what your your first movie was? Well, it was like uh, Lauren Hardy and and all those those guys. And then my dad was an avid moviegoer. And then the drive-in movie theater happened. Mm. And that's ideal for poor people. Mm. Because now you can pour everybody Everybody in the car, (laughs) make the popcorn, (laughs) you know. Yeah. No reason to go to the snack bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got a P.U.P. outside the door, you know. Yeah. Yeah. the drive-in movie theater. Oh, wow. And so we'd go to the drive-in movie theater. And then as I got older, uh, for Christmas, uh, one of my presents would be a, a book of uh, uh, movie passes. You know, So you could go to, uh, you had a book, and you'd go to all the movies. Nice. And they had like double features back then. Mm-hmm. you go to movies until your head ached. You know, <laughs> oh, the worst. And the, the most to cost to get in, maybe 50 cents. And did you ever have, did it ever dawn on you, I want to do that? No. 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 But I'll tell you how, I'll, I'll tell you how I got into acting. Yeah. Uh, again. Wait, met. all right, before you get, because acting came after music, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's do the music first, then we, I want to get to the acting. So, so now you're playing guitar, you're playing with these local people. Yeah. How do you start playing electric guitar? Uh, my buddy... The, the, the native guy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dick Bird, mm-hmm. he, uh, first of all, he would call, 
we I would go over to this when we moved, we moved into the city, mm-hmm. and we had a wartime house. My dad was because he'd been in the uh, the army. Mm-hmm. He he qualified. <laughs> that was funny too, because when we moved in, all the officers got the houses first. Right. See. And so the lines were pristine, mm-hmm. and there's no fences, and so it was like the backyard was like a park because every there was no fences up there. Uh-huh. The minute we moved in there, the fences just because <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the pastimes we kept doing was to throw in our knives, and so they got these nice wooden fences in there. <laughs> they're throwing the knives, and by that time we had evolved to like Bowie knives. And so you could throw it and you could split the wood. <laughs> but, no, the music, the electric guitar came, well, we saw Elvis. When we saw Elvis, and by that time, we had a television when we moved into uh, mm-hmm. into uh, into the city. Right. We got TV, and we got a record player. Oh, that was a big thing in my life. And I got on my bike and I went down to the music store. So like, what kind of, what kind of records were you buying? Elvis, Elvis and stuff? Oh, no. Elvis wasn't, this would be for Elvis. Okay. No, I went down, I, I drove down, and the first one was uh, Honky Tonk Angel. So you so you were more country than R&B? Oh, totally. Oh, I, totally I grew up with a fiddle player. And, but the thing is, I, I didn't like the cowboys. Mm-hmm. I, I They were they were, they were kind of phony. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if they were singers. You know, they had the... the Thing. So how'd you connect with Bobby Taylor? Well, there again, we're, we're jumping around. By the way, um, does your mama know about me? Is I've listened to like 15 versions. That is a great song that you wrote. That is a great song. And the Supremes did it, and Jermaine Jackson did it, all these people covered it. It's a great song you it wrote. Is. It is. It's a great song. It, it, changed, it changed Motown. That's it. That's the, it. That was the genesis of Love Child and Papa was a Rolling Stone, and I, I just changed the whole thing. How did Barry Gordy? Oh wait, I'm going all out of order. Okay, so how did you how did you connect with Barry Taylor? B- Barry Gordy or Bobby Taylor? Bobby Taylor. Well, Bobby Taylor. Because okay, you Dick, became the band. Well, we'll take it from okay. Dick Bird. Dick okay. Bird started when Elvis came up mm-hmm. here. No, we were playing country before that. Okay. And hit hit songs, you know, mm-hmm. mostly country, and uh, and then Dick. Like we were both in army cadets, mm-hmm. and then Dick went to high school. I went to high school, different high schools, and then Elvis hit. And then Dick was entertaining the the lunch crowd, you know mm-hmm. the the, the he, cadets. He, yeah, yeah. At the lunchtime, he'd he'd get on stage and he'd act like Elvis, <laughs> and girls would come and scream at him like Elvis. <laughs> and so he he got me down there playing backup guitar for him. Mm-hmm. I was a Scotty uh, on, on guitar. And to the point where we actually even got a gig play opening for a, a, a black group called uh, Oh Baby Man, I Get So Lonely When I Think About You. That, anyway, that group. Mm-hmm. And we never got paid. We got stuck. And, and my, my mom and dad drove us all the way because my dad loved when I was on stage. He loved it. Aww. And so, oh, they're, they're excited. So they, they drove down to to Lethbridge from Calgary a couple hundred no not even a hundred miles mm-hmm. a little more than a hundred miles but drove us down there you know drove us and we we got on stage nobody there <laughs> so we but it doesn't matter we're yeah. on stage <laughs> we're playing and so my mom and dad said okay see you later and they left 
And then we hung around waiting to get paid, and then we're not getting paid. We're not getting paid. Next thing you know, the promoter left. We got stiffed. Now we're stuck in Lethbridge. Oh, because your parents left. No way to get home. So we get out, out start hitchhiking. And then this salesman picked us up and drove us home. Now I got the, we got the guitar amp and everything. But, but you know, I was, I was always protected in, in that way. So we, so we, we got home. And, and, uh, but the thrill of being on stage so how did that parlay to you being part of a band with Bobby Taylor? How did that happen? Well, Tommy Milton, the black kid, uh, he was a, a football star in mm -hmm. Calgary. And my, my brother played on the same junior team that he played on. Mm -hmm. And so Tommy heard that I played guitar. And so Tommy wanted me to, you know, wanted to meet me. He was, he was a big star. And he was a, a f fabulous uh, Lindy Hop. Dancer, mm -hmm. I mean that was a big dance, you know, big smile, dance, and do all the tricks, splits, and <laughs> jumping around. And whenever he danced, everybody would gather in circles. Nice. And, that, and that, and so I started dancing uh, because I love dancing. And, and I had a black girl. My first black girlfriend was <laughs> was uh, a good dancer, mm -hmm. and and that's when we, I, I took him home to 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 my house because we always took everybody home. Our house was a party house. Mm -hmm. And when I brought the black girl in, the first one, and she wasn't that black, she was kind of mulatto, you know. And my dad brings me in the, in the kitchen, he goes, son, she's black. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, dad, you're Chinese. <laughs> Did he laugh? <laughs> no, no. No. But he was, a, he, he was shocked mm -hmm. because he'd grown up in that, era mm -hmm. well like black, black people I mean you didn't even know them. were they real mm -hmm. in Calgary Calgary's like Biloxi Mississippi really worse mm -hmm. because he had a handful of black people in there mm -hmm. that it came from Texas mm -hmm. during the reparation or when they freed the slaves mm -hmm. they got in a, in, a, in a wagon train and they wanted to as far away as possible far away from Texas right. it was Edmonton mm -hmm. and so they went up there and so Tommy was a product of well, anyway, Tommy, he could dance, he could move, he could play football, but he, he wasn't that great. He never had that great a voice because mm -hmm. he, he never worked on it because mm -hmm. he was shy all his life, never talked, mm -hmm. and, and was sing, sing kind of quiet. Mm -hmm. Now, he could, he, could, he, he could carry a tune, but he couldn't, uh, he had terrible, his timing, he, he'd rush everything. Mm -hmm. But he was a football player. Mm -hmm. He was so fast. I mean, he was he was legendary fast, mm -hmm. and so he, he that's the trouble with his music mm -hmm. was just a little bit too ahead of mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. And so, but what a showman! And so we put a band together uh, with my first wife's brother Bernie who played piano, mm -hmm. and I played guitar, and Tommy was the singer, and then we got a couple of guys. Pete Watts, he was a mix guy. Uh, his dad taught me guitar because. I started taking guitar lessons uh, when I was about 13, 14, something like that. Mm -hmm. I rode my bike to him and he taught me a few things. And, and so, we, so we put this R&B band together and because Tommy was such a showman, mm -hmm. it was a show band. We mm -hmm. did all tricks and, and playing the guitar behind my back. Mm -hmm. And he would do the splits and all sorts of, mm -hmm. it was like, that was a show. Mm -hmm. And so, but again, you know, being, 
spiritually mm-hmm. motivated. Mm-hmm. I, um, for some reason, I got hooked up with a friend of mine whose dad owned, uh, ran a teen uh, outreach, you mm-hmm. know, for, for kids. Mm-hmm. And so we started our own teen club. Mm-hmm. I started it, really. And, and my first black girlfriend, she was, she, she was like the secretary, you know. And so th- then we hooked up with the Legion Hall in Calgary, and we got the Legion Hall for 20, 20 bucks or something a night mm-hmm. to rent it. And next thing you know, we're just pulling all these kids into the dance. And the only problem was uh, we had a liquor problem. Uh, you had to stop serving booze at midnight. Mm-hmm. And so they would, uh, the, so the dance had to end at midnight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but by, the, by that we started eight, and so midnight was no problem. Mm-hmm. But the problem was is that we, we attracted all the rough crowd, you know. At the time they were zoot suiters, you know. Mm-hmm. You know the, sure. The drapes. My father the, wore a zoot suit. And, and the ducktails, mm-hmm. and, and they were emulating all the badasses. So all the badasses would came down. Mm-hmm. And at one one time they, they came the, the gang heard about us and, and they heard how tough my brother was and I'm like uh, <laughs> we, we we needed a car my brother had a car and we needed a bass player so I taught my brother how to play bass <laughs> really? so we could have the car so you yeah. could have the car yeah. you only needed oh, that's hysterical and so 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 he played bass uh-huh. and he was good. He was good, but he never had any natural talent, you know. So I, I had a, I would show him where to put his fingers, you know, when we we're on stage. And I said, okay, <laughs> I show the three chords or four chords or whatever it was. And but we had this great rock and roll band mm-hmm. to the point where we got very, very, very with paper and we had front page, all that stuff because it was the first R and B band in Canada. Wow. In Canada, wow. there was another band, but they were from the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks. Mm-hmm. They were from the states that ended up playing with Dylan. They they came up. They were East Coast. Mm-hmm. We were West Coast, mm-hmm. and our reputation spread all over because. And this is before you with Bobby Taylor. He's not even in this. Oh yet. no, Bobby's not even. No, okay. this is Tommy. Uh huh. We went. We won. We won a. And, not, and he's not a great singer, and you still. Well, he was a great showman. Uh huh. That's worth a lot. And and then what he was, and the thing in Canada, mm-hmm. there's so few black guys. Mm-hmm. If you're black, then you could, and hold a mic, then you're you're in a band. <laughs> That's basically what it was, you know, because it was all an illusion. Yeah. You know, there's very uh-huh. few of them that could sing, but but, uh, and and so but Tommy was also very energetic and, and you know he mm-hmm. he was the one that. Well, we got to go to Edmonton. We went up to Edmonton. We played up there, and again, we killed. And that was everything was. We were just on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And then the team fair, the team club got so popular. <laughs> we getting all the hoodlums coming there. That when we when we had to shut down at midnight, they would go off into the city and create all sorts of havoc. <laughs> you know, find out where. Hey, the girl be babysitting somewhere. Hey, party over here, and they would go over there. <laughs> and in Canada, uh, you know, everybody would stock up on booze for their for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And so these hoodlums would go into a house and then look for the booze, you know, and they would steal the booze. And the, and the cops would go crazy, 
you know, because all of a sudden, because of our dance, we had all these calls in Canada. <laughs> Calgary was a sleepy little town at one time until we came on board. And so, so just before Christmas, 1970, 1957, we got called into the mayor's office. And I thought we were going to be awarded, you know, some kind of... Band of the year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've done so much for our community. Because it was a team club. Mm-hmm. But you know what I found out? Is that the reason they called us into the mayor's office, they couldn't close us down. Because we weren't doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. We were doing everything right. Mm-hmm. It was the kids that would go after it. Right. They were the ones. Mm-hmm. But they knew that if they... But they it, wanted you to stop so that that would so, stop. So that would stop. Mm-hmm. And so, they, so they, they told us they thought it would be a good idea if we left town for the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Now, Tommy and, and, and I, you know, uh, the whole band, except my brother... We looked at each other, okay, <laughs> let's go to Vancouver. And so uh, my brother had to stay. And so, because he had a day job and mm-hmm. kids and everything else. And so we got in the car, one car, and we motored off to Vancouver and started a life of uh, music. And so, and you had like quite a bit of success from, from uh, how did Barry Gordy find you? Well, over the years, because like I said, Tommy was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we did a, a, a British Columbia tour one time. Mm-hmm. And what we would do in, in Vancouver, when we were in Vancouver, we would rent halls from the Polish hall or the mm-hmm. Italian hall, some halls. We'd get them, like they rent them out for, for weddings and that. Mm-hmm. Well, we would rent them out, print up flyers. We're paying here tonight. And then the kids would come and we'd pack the place. And, have a good time, and then Tommy wanted to make it big, so we we started motoring down to uh, to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. First, we went to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle was our first place because there's a black community in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's where Jimi Hendrix is from, mm-hmm. and and we we went down there and we played. We weren't, weren't near as good as the musicians down there, but we had that showmanship, mm-hmm. and and so that got us there. And then we went down to L.A. Well, you couldn't get a gig in L.A. at all. Mm-hmm. You know? And so coming back one year, uh, we stopped at San Francisco because I wanted to see the committee mm-hmm. and, and uh, because it, I got into... Uh, into Larry Hankin. You know Larry? Yeah. Yeah. I so I got into the committee mm-hmm. and, and, and in San Francisco. Wait, you got into the committee? No, no, just watching. Them. Okay, just watching. Just watching. Them. Now, do you? Do no, you so what happened? Are you attracted to this at this point? Like, I want to do this, or you no, just no, like no, to no, watch? No, it? no, I just love to. Okay. I love the entertainment. Okay. Because what I did, when we went to San Francisco, there's again a girl that yeah. that always uh, a girl. We always yeah, we get stay at her place. The whole band. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. And, well, we were young studs, man. I mean, we were musicians, <laughs> so we we stayed at all all stayed at this girl, which who I knew from Calgary. Mm-hmm. She was a, a friend of mine from Calgary, and she said, "Yeah, you can stay there." So we we're on the floor everywhere, and and we got a gig one night a week at Big Al's in in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's where Bobby Taylor worked. Uh-huh. Now Bobby was one of three singers, and so. But he was the best singer. And so Bobby, when we met Bobby outside the club, he was the one that 
told it, hey, Big Al, hey, hire these guys. Come on. You know, they're great. He was really good at that. So we were the, the relief band mm -hmm. because the bands there, they wouldn't even have breaks. They would, the musicians would leave one at a time. Wow. To take a break, to mm -hmm. keep the keep the music happening and the mm -hmm. girls coming in, mm -hmm. you know, the dancers and that. And so we were the, the break uh, uh, that day, that for one day uh, a week. Mm -hmm. And we stayed there, I guess, about a month. And then uh, we had to go back mm -hmm. because all of us were married. And I think, yeah. We oh, you were married already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was married uh -huh. at the time. Uh-huh. And kids. And so we went back. And then, uh, in, 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 in between all that, another guy bought, bought these buildings, mm -hmm. and there was an empty steakhouse in one of them, and he, he asked us, asked me if uh, I wanted a club, wanted a nightclub. And I said, okay. Do you want a nightclub? Yeah. Well, put a band in there, in an empty steakhouse, uh -huh. instead of doing the steakhouse, uh -huh. put a band in there, and now you got... Don't you need like a liquor license and all of that well, stuff? Well, it was a bottle club. There was no liquor. Oh. I mean, we weren't allowed liquor. Okay. It was a bottle club. So you never, we never had a liquor, liquor license. Mm -hmm. And so you brought your own. Mm -hmm. which, which was much better. Uh -huh. And so that this is when I met Shelby. So we had the club. Wow, you've known her that long? Yeah. Well, crazy. she was a baby. She was 16, 15. Uh-huh. 15 when I met her. Mm -hmm. 15, 16. And she was still in high school. And so what happened, it, to supplement our income, we played a, a, a team fair. Mm -hmm. And it was a big contest. We won it, of course. And, uh, of course! And, and Shelby uh, had seen us at White Rock, we were another club that we played at. And, and she came off the beach. The first time I saw her, she came off the beach. Like, Remember that movie, 10? I, I knew Derek? you were going to say that with Bo Derek. Yeah, when she comes out of the water. She come, she <laughs> come out of the water. She had her little brother with her. And they come out of there, and she had this little summer dress on. i never seen anything so beautiful in my life. She's gorgeous. And she walked up, and, uh, and I told her, I, said, Are you, I asked her if she was coming to the, to the gig. She said, I might. <laughs> and so, so then, uh, and I told the bouncer, there's a big old bouncer that, that I got into weightlifting because we're, we're sitting there talking about it. When I saw Shelby, I did that old, I want her, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so then that night we're playing and, and she walks in. Now nah, she's so good, got a tan. And I think she had her sister with her. I wouldn't know, but because all I saw was her, mm. and so she walked up. She wanted to talk to Tommy, the singer, because at that time she was in the Black Eyes, mm -hmm. her and her sister, mm -hmm. and so she right up to Tommy, and I just got in front of Tommy, <laughs> and kind of moved in front of Tommy, and she said, uh, "Do you know Walking the Dog?" That was a popular just song. Just Walking the Dog. Yeah. yeah, sure. And I said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, play it." <laughs> She's a tough broad. You're, you're Shelby. And my heart went. Oh. And so we played walking the dog. And so and that was the last time. Then she had to leave. I think she had her little brother with her, but mm -hmm. she disappeared. I don't think she even heard the song. I think she just wanted to, to talk, and then she left. And so then 
were playing at the teen fair. Mm -hmm. And she came to see us at the teen fair. And then, so now by now she knows that she's talking to me. I'm not going to let her talk to anybody else. <laughs> and so she says, can you give us a ride to the Harlem Nocturne? This is another club. By that time we had our own club. Mm. Empty. No income because we had no money to advertise. Mm. Nothing like that there. And so, so we said, well, are you making money at this stage no, in your life? No, no, really no, no. I got a wife that works. And so, so now we, we come, yeah. we come uh, after the teen fair. Uh-huh. She says, uh, you know, give me a ride to the, to the Harlem Nocturne. I said, well, why don't you come to our club? She said, you got a club? I said, yeah. Uh, it's an elegant parlor. She goes, <laughs> an elegant parlor. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. Never heard of it. I said, "Well, it's on Davy Street." So we, we drove we drove her to the to the uh, to the club, the Harlem Nocturne, mm -hmm. and then it's all crowded. You know, everybody, all the, the white guy, all the brothers. And it's a hot club. You mm -hmm. know? And she gets out and gives us gives me. Uh, they hadn't talked to me the whole time. Gives me a big kiss. Oh, by the way, you know, just laid a big, sexy kiss on me, and then she disappeared. And so I'm like stunned. <laughs> so we're at our club. Next thing I know, I look up, and there she's heard her sister coming down the stairs. It was a basement club. My brother, he saw her. And she's so young, mm -hmm. and he was going to say, "You can't come in here." And he, he looked at me. To, Is it okay? And I said, "Yeah." Let her yeah. <laughs> Behind her mm -hmm. was almost the entire Harlem Nocturne crowd. Oh, she brought them with her. Well, here's what happened. Oh. They wouldn't let her in the Harlem Nocturne because she was too young and never had shoes on. <laughs> she's barefoot. And so she's, so she, all these guys are out there hanging around her, and then she's, oh, I know a club where I can get into. Where? Okay. And so she, she brought the whole gang. Wow. From Did that, that change the fate of your from, club? From that day, it was packed. Wow. Packed. From that day until we had to So close. you two were what they call in Jewish, shirt meant to be. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then she was there for a while, and then she disappeared. You know, she was at the club, and then where'd she go? She, she disappeared. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking, uh, by that time, now the club's making money. So as soon as the club started making money, we started buying houses because houses were really cheap mm -hmm. in, uh, in 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 Vancouver at mm -hmm. that time. You could, but then you could pick a, a house up for ten grand, five grand, you know. And so so my brother, who was running, you know, the, once the money started coming in, he, he so he buys his house. My parents needed a house for for my family, so we so he buy, buys his house, and. Uh, we find out there's some real pretty girls living next door. Oh, that's interesting. Shelby. Oh, God. Her family. Wow. Her, she got a, a sister that's taller and more beautiful. An older sister that you know, was quite gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Another sister, four of them. Wow. Four of them. And then there's like four guys, four, mm -hmm. three, four brothers. We moved right next door to Shelby. And I got, I got my new little Robbie, my little bundle. And so when I walked up there, Shelby's 
she sees me, she comes running out, takes Robbie, my daughter, takes her in the arms, and Ray Don, my little Ray Don, boom. They literally, my, my girls were literally raised with Shelby's parents. Because they, we lived right next door, and they're always there. They, would, they helped do the dishes, mm -hmm. and, and you know, just just be the little mm -hmm. kids, mm -hmm. you know. And Shelby's mom was sweet as can be. And, How know. long did it take you guys from that point till you became a couple? Well, again, you know, she was happy to the fact that I was married because mm -hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm just this guy that owns a nightclub that she can come and you know, let her in, mm -hmm. and then, then we started falling in love. Falling in love. I fell in love right away. Mm -hmm. And But again, it was like, say, she was still in school. Mm -hmm. She was just graduating school. Mm -hmm. And then she was just living her life, and we would see each other, you know, on weekends, and, and sometimes I would drive her home, very seldom, come to the club, and we'd have a little, you know, get together. And then, uh, and then acid, LSD came in. Okay, wait, are you smoking pot at this point? Oh, yeah. Okay, so when did you find pot? How did that happen? In Calgary. Mm -hmm. I was uh, 18 years old mm -hmm. in, a, in a jazz club, mm -hmm. in a little jazz club. And, and if you carried your guitar, you're an instrument, you could get in as a mm -hmm. musician. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys that owned the club, mm -hmm. he went down to LA, came back with a, a joint and a Lenny Bruce record. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's See, all you need. It's all ordained. Wow. Yeah. Ordained. And then Did you I, fall in love with Lenny Bruce? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Oh my God. I listened to him over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And just that. And then, see, that was before I went to, to LA. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in LA, that was another reason I went looking. Because Lenny Bruce was playing it in, mm -hmm. in, in, in San Francisco at the Hungry Eye. Mm -hmm. and, and I had no money. Because when we were staying at the the friend of ours, like, mm -hmm. we got paid one night a week, so I had no money. Right. And so, uh, to hear Lenny, I would go, I went into the exit, you know, the wow. kitchen, mm -hmm. and I went and sat by the kitchen and listened to him. I sat by the kitchen and I could hear him uh, through that. And then that's where I saw the committee, and that's when I got into uh, improvisational. Just enjoying it. Oh, just enjoying it. Okay, so 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 you're a rock and roller. You get signed by Barry Gordy. You, <laughs> the Jackson Five, open a show that you're on, which that is crazy, outrageous. We discovered. They, they were they were they won a contest, and we're we're playing in uh, the Regal Theater mm -hmm. in Chicago. Bobby Taylor was a, was like a Tommy. Bobby, hey, these kids are great, man. You know, hey, we got to get we got to get Barry the chief. Barry's got to hear him. So, so you were the ones that introduced yeah. the Jackson Five to Barry Gordy. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. The Jackson Five came and lived with Bobby <laughs> at, at his apartment, and see, Bobby was like the star, mm -hmm. so he had a nice apartment. In the meantime, I'm married with with my wife and two daughters. And they, they came, and, and, and also Shelby's pregnant at the time. Hi. After we did the, we did acid together, and that's the first time we made love, mm -hmm. and she got pregnant. And we were both on acid. At least I was on acid. <laughs> and, you know, once you're on acid, it's forever. And, and so... Well, so, it didn't quite work out that way for me, but I'm glad it did for you. Well, she, 
when she got pregnant, yeah. you know, because she was such a loner, mm-hmm. you know. So she just disappeared as far as the family goes, mm-hmm. and she went on the road with me. And so when I got discovered when, with Barry, Barry, by Barry Gordy, mm-hmm. Barry Gordy heard of, heard of the group. Well, Diana Ross heard the group in the club first. Now we're packed in the club. Now the club was so packed you couldn't move because of Bobby. And, and, and he got us all singing background and everything. So we sounded like a Mojang group. Mm-hmm. And then when Diana Ross heard us, you know, she said, ah, you gotta hear us. And then Barry Gordon signed us, but then he forgot about us. And so then Bobby and I, we just uh, ended up going from uh, Vancouver to Seattle to, uh, to LA mm-hmm. and then to uh, Detroit. And I had Shelby with me. So Shelby came with us to Seattle. We played in Seattle and we played in LA. Mm-hmm. And we, and we, we, it was Was Diana with Barry, was she his girl then? Yeah. Because I knew Bob, side. I knew Bob Ellis, her husband. Did oh, you know yeah. Bob? No. That's Tracy Ellis's Ross's oh, right, father. Right, right, but right. I, I worked for him at Woody's in New York years oh, the rich, later. But he was rich. He, well, he, he, I mean, I don't know what his, he owned a club, but yeah. but um, but, Di- but Diana was married to him, but he thought the daughter was his, but it was really Barry Gordon. That didn't come out until much later that the daughter was actually Barry Gordon's daughter, Rhonda. Her daughter oh, Rhonda. Rhonda. Yeah. Yeah, Rhonda, but yeah. Not, not the one. No, Tracy is Bob's Tracy's daughter. Yeah. yeah, that's his daughter. Yeah, I can see so, that. So, so... I think that Barry Gordy got a distinct mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She looks exactly like him. I don't know how they got away with that for all those years. So, so... Okay, so you discover the Jackson Five. Diana discovers you. How does comedy? How does this morph from music to comedy for you? How do you meet Cheech? What What's going well, on? After we we did Don't Your Mama Know about me, Bobby Such became Bobby became a, a, the big star, mm-hmm. and so uh, according to Motown tradition, they grabbed Bobby mm-hmm. as a single. Oh. And then they they wanted us to back up Chris Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, we just. We just became. You're no longer important. No, we're, and so we're backing up Chris Clark, and and I still got Shelby with me. Mm-hmm. Now we got a baby. Not only got Shelby. And you're not making any. Are you making money? Oh yeah. Oh, we're, you're, we're, oh we're, you're, we're in Motown. You're and the clubs are still. The clubs so are still kicking. Okay. Clubs okay. are kicking. Uh huh. I'm getting paid at Motown. Okay. No, I, I had Maxine, my wife, and mm-hmm. Radon and Robbie. They came to Detroit, and so Shelby. Getting had, awfully crowded Shelby, there. Shelby had to live. By herself, where she had no problem with mm-hmm. her baby. Did she your actually, wife know about Shelby? Well, she knew, but she didn't want to know. Yeah. You know, that's why she ended up coming. Mm-hmm. Because what happened, <laughs> I was in contact with Shelby's sister. Mm-hmm. And, and the other sister knows, knows the, the in and found a letter. Mm-hmm. And then they found out that Shelby was with me with a baby. And, mm-hmm. and so then Maxine ended up coming to save the marriage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so... so we're in Detroit, and uh, we're with with Chris Clark. Mm-hmm. I got Shelby with me uh, at the motel, mm-hmm. and and I had to go back to get a green card. And, and so I go back to Detroit with the bass player. I was going to get the bass player a green card too, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with and so we we fly back to the to Detroit to get the green card. In the meantime, the road manager of Chris Clark told me, if you leave, you're fired. 
And I looked at it. I was not used to being told what to do. You know, I owned the club, I owned the, the band, everything else. And I got a, some lackey telling me, you're fired. From what? What the fuck are you going to fire me from? You know? mm-hmm. And so I ended up, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, right. And so I went back, got, got the green card, did the interview. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and I was fired. <laughs> and the guy said, you're fired. Now, the band could have saved me. The band could have, but the band, we had picked different people up, and, and, and so they had no loyalty toward me at all. Mm-hmm. They might have had loyalty toward Bobby, because mm-hmm. Bobby was a star, but mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't even the leader of the band. Right. A guy named Tom Baird was the piano player, mm-hmm. who co-wrote Dutch Your Mama Noble, uh-huh. he did the music. Mm-hmm. And so, when I went to the gig, you know, because they told me in, in, in Detroit that I was fired, but I... Shelby, I got my guitar, I got everything in, in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So when I went there, the guy said, yeah, you're fired. And the band could have saved me, but I'm glad they didn't. And so then I, I got my guitar and my amp, and I come back to the motel. Shelby goes, oh, you're home early. And so I got fired. And she says, oh, that's good, that band sucked. <laughs> she, said the, she said, I always said the right things. I always. Wow. You come to bed, that band sucked. Okay, so then we went back to Detroit, and a little while, I think the next day or something, Barry Gordy phoned and said, it's a mistake, Tommy, you're not fired, that was a mistake. And I told, because I told Barry I had to get a green card, Mm -hmm. so Barry set it up. Right. But he didn't tell anybody. Uh Uh-huh. And so I told told Barry, I said, I think I'm going to stay fired. I said, I'm going to be a Barry Gordy, I don't want to work for one. Nice. And Barry said, I can respect that. So he gave me $5,000. Wow. And so then I rented, I found a car where you can rent a car, you know, drive some guy's car back. Right. They used to do that in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. And so I found that. Mm -hmm. So I loaded Shelby and the baby. Now Maxine and the girls. I was just going to say, where's your family? Maxine and the girls, they they were were in the black community. Mm -hmm. They had friends there, Juanita. And and so she, she, she had... She was settled there, mm-hmm. and I think she Maxine was working too mm-hmm. in Detroit, and, and she kind of liked they they kind of liked Detroit, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't want to leave my my daughters there. So when I got to uh, to um, L A, mm-hmm. uh, and and I got kind of Shelby and I settled a little bit. Then I, I got the, my family mm-hmm. to come to L A too, because Maxine, my first wife, her brother was. Uh, is Floyd Sneed, and Floyd was the drummer of the Three Dog Night. Oh wow! And so they were doing really good. Uh huh. And so Floyd, Floyd was in, in that, and that's where Maxine and the girls came, and me. Mm-hmm. I went back with Maxine, and because I wasn't going to leave, you know. And Shelby was out at the beach with her little her daughter, and then the clubs needed some working, and so I'm not doing anything. So I, we Shelby and I went back to. Uh, to to Vancouver, mm-hmm. and then Shelby got her first job because she looked so young she couldn't get a job anywhere, mm-hmm. and especially in the states. Mm-hmm. And so we're back in Vancouver, and Shelby started uh, uh, waitressing mm-hmm. at at the Shanghai Jump, mm-hmm. the other club that was given to us, mm-hmm. and that was a strip club, and that was a strip club that I turned because of the committee. 
Ah. I turned turn the strip club into an improvisational club. And this is where you meet Cheech? And this is where I met Cheech. So, okay, so how, did you know, like you knew as soon as you saw Shelby that there was something there. Did you know as soon as you saw Cheech that there was something there? Oh, yeah. You did? Well, no, what happened? Cheech, Cheech came along. No, when I first met Cheech, uh, our, we had, there was, I had another problem. Wait, you turned it into an improv, but are you doing, are you now doing it? And you're just winging it. You, you just... No, what happened, um, after I saw the committee, mm-hmm. I, I had in my mind, I said, well, this, this, this is my club. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, we had, I had a, a light guy to help me, and we put doors up. Mm-hmm. We made it good. And there was a guitar player named Gay Lauren. Mm-hmm. He passed away. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. He wrote so many of our songs that we did. That you're the, the big hit, you know, that mama talking to me, trying to tell me how to live. That was that was Gay Lauren. Oh, wow. He, he was at Cheech's house one day and he came out of the bedroom and he goes, Listen to this. Mama talking to me. So I took it and I wrote the lyrics and I actually produced that, that particular song. Wow. And, and but Gay Delorme, he was from Edmonton, mm-hmm. and so when I went back to work in the in the clubs, uh, Gay heard about me, mm-hmm. and so he came from Edmonton mm-hmm. because he wanted to meet Tommy Chong, you know, wow. uh, of Motown. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing he did was take my guitar and played it like I've never heard it ever played before. He actually encouraged me to quit playing guitar because I only played guitar because I had to. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because I had to. Do you know right away that you're funny? Uh, did you have confidence? Oh, that's a, that's the story. This is how okay. I got. No, here's how I did it. Okay. Again, we're living in the country. Mm-hmm. There's no toy stores, so you make you play make believe right. when, you're, when you're that young. Mm-hmm. There was a, a a couple of families in in Calgary. It was weird. They had this one big mansion. It was like a, some cattle baron yeah. that owned this mansion. Mm-hmm. And he owned all this land. Mm-hmm. And then he sold everything else out. And then the mansion became like a, like a hotel yeah. for everybody to live in there. And so these families moved in into these these different rooms of this big mansion, mm-hmm. which had, and then they put different and toilets and mm-hmm. no was it outhouses oh wow no no really? no yeah no it was outhouses even for the mansion okay and, and so so but there was uh, families there were the families of guys and families of daughters mm-hmm. and, and and the daughters there was a couple of families where there was like daughters but my little older than me but anyway they would play these make-believe uh, playhouse, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and the games would go on for days. Uh-huh. We'd just play house. Right, right. And you talk, okay, the family, and you come home from work, and you just make up scenarios. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got my improvisational acting when I was a little guy. Mm-hmm. Playing with these these girls. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh... Were you funny then? No. No. 
No, not funny. You played it straight. Never played it straight. Yeah, yeah. Serious, mm -hmm. you know? Never got funny until we uh, started the 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 improv, the city works. We called ourselves the city works. So, but never got funny until I mean. So, where did that come from in you? Do you think? Do you th did was no? It I studied. Was it because you? Oh, would, oh, oh! I'll oh, tell you where. It came. Oh, you studied. I'll tell you okay. where it came. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was playing guitar in Vancouver, mm -hmm. the clubs we played all black clubs. Mm -hmm. And all black clubs always had the comedian and a dancer. And a dancer? Yeah, a stripper. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and so so, yeah. so the comedian would come up first mm -hmm. and do his thing. Mm -hmm. And then, hey, and here she is, Lady Scarlet or something. Mm -hmm. And she could move, do her sexy dance. You could only show what you could show. Right. And then the band would play for dancing. Mm -hmm. And that was the standard. Right. And the club that I played in, in Vancouver, same thing. Mm -hmm. They would have the, the comedian. Mm -hmm. They would have the... And the and the comedian, they're black comedians, so it was like the, like Red Fox type of thing, you know. Wow, well, yeah. Oh, I mean, there was some of it was so funny, mm -hmm. and and be, being a musician, mm -hmm. when you learn riffs, you learn they stick in your head, mm -hmm. and that's what happened with comedy. Mm -hmm. I'd hear a joke or hear a thing, and it would stick in my head. Mm -hmm. And like I said, Gay Delorme mm -hmm. was naturally funny. Mm -hmm. He would entertain us until we our ribs hurt, and so Cheech and I, and then. When uh, Gabe was actually the one that started the improv in, in, in Calgary. Okay, so now you start this improv group and. Well, let me, th let me, okay. let me, let me tell you how, how it worked. It was a strip club. Okay. Okay, we got bikers, we got businessmen, you know, drunks, we got lowlifes. Mm -hmm. they're, they're in there watching girls, you know. And so all of a sudden I changed it from a strip club to an improvisational club. <laughs> I don't tell anybody. And do you have any? Oh, you don't tell I don't anybody. Tell anybody. <laughs> we don't make any. We just put pictures up on the on the thing, now appearing. You know, there's mm -hmm. me and Dave, my partner, in that. The first, the first skit, <laughs> because once we started improv, we attracted all the theater people, mm -hmm. mime artists, uh, you know, the the theater theater mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. And so this Ian, he, he had makeup and mime artist looked like the Joker, <laughs> and. And so, the stripper, I says, uh, all the, the bikers and that, they're waiting for the girls to come up. And so we, we lower the lights, and then the lights come up on this mime artist. And he's going around picking flowers. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing things, and he's doing the, the wall. And I'm, I'm, back, I'm dying. I'm looking at these bikers. Uh, the bikers aren't screaming yet? The bikers, no, no, they're looking. <laughs> and one guy goes, hey, Elvis. <laughs> I'd never forget that, Elvis. That's the only thing is, hey, Elvis. And then Dave, my first partner, he comes up. He's got a cowboy hat like you, and he's got a scarf around his neck. And he comes up to the mic, and he starts singing. I dream of Jeannie with a light brown poodle that's on hair. Jeannie is my favorite wire hair terrier. And then the door opens. I come up, my hair is all messy. I got a bare chest and I got a rolled up newspaper. I walk over to him and I go, What kind of fucking song is that? And I start beating to death. The bikers scream. Everybody screams. It was the funniest, funniest thing anybody had ever seen because we built that tension. We 
built the tension. They didn't know what, what, what was going so on. So how did you know to do... How, was this just an innate thing for you? Gave the Lord. Gave you. the Lord. That was his first bit. The first bit. When you get that first bit under your belt, then what else can we do? And so what we would do, we would sit... You know how the improv groups are supposed to sit there and, you know, write clever things and all that. <coughs> Excuse me, you yes. Know, what we would do, we would get the Playboy magazine and go right to the center, to the jokes. And then we'd look for jokes that we could do out of the Playboy magazine. Because you we had girls. out the jokes? Because we'd have the girls, yeah. We'd have <coughs> because you had the strippers. <coughs> I'm having and, and we had a couple of girls that were, <coughs> Excuse me. That were naturally funny. Maureen, she was another Edmonton girl. She was like... Not uh, your wife, Maureen. No, no. Uh, Maxie. Maxie. No, Maureen. Maureen. Yeah. Well, they were all legitimate strippers from the <laughs> from the earlier. They were funny club. strippers. Incredible. Well, that's what I learned. You know, when I'm when I was uh, working the lights, the girls would come to work and they looked so hot in their street clothes. Mm -hmm. And then they would put on this this stripper outfit, and then all of a sudden you go in. You know, it wasn't that hot anymore. Mm -hmm. But the sexy thing was to see a girl unbutton her blouse. Mm -hmm. See, that's a lot sexier than a, you know, taking off a, a boa. Mm -hmm. Seeing the girls get out of their street clothes, mm -hmm. now that's sexy, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so, so I realized that, and so we utilized that. Mm -hmm. The first bit we did after, after the McKenna fucking song is that, was uh, the pajama party. And so, what would he, and this is when I had, we had a, we had a, a guy named Taps Harris as an MC. Mm -hmm. This is before I got in the show. And we had a singer, a, a black girl named Jeannie. She was a singer. Mm -hmm. And so, and the girls. And so what the bit was, and I wrote this bit, where the girls were having a pajama party. Mm -hmm. and, and as the girls would come in, how are you doing? And, then, and once they get in, they'd change into their pajamas. Because mm -hmm. they're going to have a pajama party. So that gave the, the all the... Yeah, the, the guys got turned on. They yeah. got turned on. They got that. And then Jeannie come over and, and taps. And, and, and we had a band behind the curtain, mm -hmm. so when Jeannie sang, the band would play, and then Taps, and, and then the girls say, Taps, uh, why'd they call you Taps? Oh, you're a dancer. Well, let's see you dance. And so Taps, the band would play, and Taps would tap. Mm -hmm. And he was good. Mm -hmm. He was so good that he got an encore. Mm -hmm. Everybody, the audience said, wow, this guy's great, encore. He quit that next, that night. <laughs> Because it was too hard. He was too old to be doing that shit. <laughs> the reason he was an MC was that he got too old to tap. Mm -hmm. And so he's, I'm out of here. You know, when you make me dance, I'm out of here. <laughs> and so then I, the, the doorman, who had a very funny, funny face, was named Dave. And so I said to Dave, I said, hey, I need an MC, man. You, will you do it? And he goes, I'll do it if you do it. He, he challenged me. And that's how your partnership was formed? And so that's how Dave and I mm -hmm. came in there. And then, then we had a straight man and, and all that. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, uh, the straight, when the wife of the straight man found out what he was doing, mm -hmm. like he was a real actor, mm -hmm. yeah. and he loved it. Mm -hmm. He loved the show, but his wife was like, you know, uh, Mormon or something anyway. She, uh, we, had, we got the newspaper coverage, because once we got the newspaper coverage, you know, uh, the place, you know, then we started packing them in. <laughs> but uh, but the wife found out, and mm -hmm. so she yarded, she 
made him leave. Mm -hmm. And so there was a, then we started having regulars come to the club, you know, to see the, to see the comedy. And one of the guys was a Russian, Ihor. Mm -hmm. um, and he said to me, he says, you're looking for someone? I know a guy, I know the perfect guy. And I said, okay. He said, come on up to my, my place in uh, Richmond and uh, I'll introduce you to him. So that's when I met Cheech. He was Richard at the time. And he looked like a moon. He had short hair and a sweater. He was, he was very, 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 almost gay straight. Was, was, was he already into pot? Was he a pot smoker at the time? Uh, not a big pot smoker because mm -hmm. he was poor. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was delivering carpets on the side. He was just struggling to, to make any kind So of he was just naturally funny and this guy knew he was No, just, what happened? Oh. Cheech, Cheech grew up with a, a funny cousin and turned him on to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And Cheech has is, is got one of these ability to do mimic mm -hmm. people, singers, mm -hmm. voices. He could do all voices. And, mm -hmm. and he was just naturally, naturally uh, gifted. But he, but he was serious. He was more uh, into folk singing. You know, at the time, <clears throat> and so when uh, so he uh, when I met him at the at the farm, I I told him what we had going, and mm -hmm. he says, "I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, let me let me check it out. Let mm -hmm. me think about it." Mm -hmm. You know, so I said, "Oh, okay." So he came down, and when when he walked in the door that night, Saturday night, mm -hmm. we're backstage and looking through the we're looking through the curtains, and we said, "Oh." got the beautiful girl with him, full length, big coat, I mean, nothing like you see in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Brunette, striking, mm -hmm. and tall, and he comes in there looking like a gangster, you know, <laughs> with his mall, and I said, he's hired, <laughs> you know, because I always judge a man by his woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so, uh, so he, he saw the, the, he saw us do our bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he could fit in. And so next thing you know, we got Cheech. And we used to have a little rehearsal every day. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go for lunch in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And that's when Cheech learned how to use chopsticks really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, he'd start. And did it. you guys just have like a... You sat down to write or were things happening spontaneously? Both? No, no, we, we would meet. We mm -hmm. would meet and then we would... Uh, uh, figure out, you know, go over the show, mm -hmm. you know, rough out the show, mm -hmm. uh, what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. and how much of it was scripted and how much of it was ad-libbed? Well, it was scripted to the point, you know, where you know where the... The bones of the... Where, where the, where the punchline and all that right. was, was going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what was ad-libbed was in between bits. Mm -hmm. You're trying to kill for time, or, mm -hmm. you know, or answering some questions, because mm -hmm. a lot of times we would do Q&A from the audience, mm -hmm. you know, with suggestions, oh. you know, give us suggestions, mm -hmm. and they would yell up suggestions, it was funny, because they'd yell up suggestions, we'd write them down, we'd go back, and then we'd, you know, work on them, work on them, work on them, and we'd come out, and everybody that yelled for, they were gone, there's a new audience, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because we would, uh, you know, just, just start working. Can you tell us a story of how Dave's Not Here happened? Well, when we, 
got to LA, mm -hmm. you know, we tried, uh, we were just trying, we worked at all the clubs we could find, just Chichen, you know, and more, all the black clubs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we started being regular at the Troubadour because mm -hmm. they had a nanny night there. And the nanny night was, uh, well, was supposed to be for folk singers. Right. But it was perfect audience for comedians. And so then we started working there. Mm -hmm. And, and the, or to get on at the right time, you had to be there like at 9 o'clock in the morning at the box office. Wow. And wait until the box office opened at 6. And so you're first in line. Wow. And then you get to sign up, and then you're six, number six on the on the, the best best time. Right, the sweet spot. Yeah, sweet spot. And so we did that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And then we created a big, big uh, following. So did you have like a greatest hits of Cheech and Chong back then? Like, okay, we're going to do this bit, this bit, this bit, or? Uh, no, we, we had bits that we worked yeah. out. Mm -hmm. You know, we're always working out bits, you mm -hmm. know, because you got to stay current, mm -hmm. uh, up to date. And, uh, and you need new stuff all the time. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing is, we're, we're more or less auditioning, mm -hmm. so you don't have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. you, know, you got your five, ten minutes or whatever, right. 15, mm -hmm. 20. Mm -hmm. And with us, it started out, you know, because at one time, you know, because we were working in Canada, we were doing two hours a night. Mm -hmm. And so we, we had the stamina, we had the bits. Right. And so when we started doing the Troubadour, then by that time we would hone down the Cheech and Chong. And also, the, 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 the secret sauce with Cheech and Chong <laughs> was Cheech's Chicano character. So he, he never did that in Canada. And that was kind of a flip from what I heard. That just kind of happened one day, right? Like it's not no. something he put his mind to? Like he just heard it? Well, he, what happened? he resisted it. Okay. He resisted it. Because like I said, I didn't know he was Mexican. Because he, he would not... He spoke in... No, he, he, did, he, he didn't know what he was. Mm -hmm. In fact, when we, I did the earlier interview, I started getting a little, little off the track. You know about uh, Megan and uh, and Harry, mm -hmm. Prince Harry, and I started going off about how uh, prejudiced uh, English are, mm -hmm. and, and Cheech shut me down. He shut it down. He don't want to go there. He doesn't want to go there. He's he's back being back guy again. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, no, what happened? Uh, Cheech, uh, he he's so educated, you know, mm -hmm. in so many ways mm -hmm. that. What happened, one time we were waiting to play a, another club, and this lowrider pulled up in his car, and he goes, hey man, can you tell me where Van Nuys is? <laughs> You're on it. Okay, thanks man. <laughs> he drove away. That was the character. And so we played this one club. Just in that moment he knew that was it? No, he just... no not at all. Okay. No one knew. He, the guy drove away. Mm -hmm. So that night, I think it was that night, we had to do two shows. Mm -hmm. And the trouble is, it was they, they're trying to make it a dance club. Mm -hmm. And so we did our first show, and then uh, they danced. And the first show didn't go over that well because it was not a comedy club. Mm -hmm. They're dancers. Mm -hmm. and they're, we're stopping them from dancing. Mm -hmm. And so... We're not we're not getting by with with biker material at all, <laughs> and so we're back there. We got to do another show, and I said to Chich, "Come on, man, you're from here. There must be a character that 
they can relate to. Mm -hmm. He says, well, there's one, but I don't want to do it. I said, why? He said, well, it's a little detrimental to the, to the Latino community, you know. I said, we're comedians, that's <laughs> what we do. And so I, so I said, like, what? He said, well, like, you know, the guy, the lowrider. I said, okay, well, I got a bit. I, 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 I saw this one bit for many, many years uh, was a, where the guy would pretend he has a car. Mm -hmm. Black guy, mm -hmm. walk out there, he'd clean up the car so you see his car. Mm he'd -hmm. do his little, you know, pantomime. pantomime. Uh -huh. And then you get in the car and you close the door and adjust everything. Really funny. Mm -hmm. And then you drive and you get to his, you know, beat for his girlfriend to come out. And then, and then uh, it was all pantomime. Mm -hmm. And so, I, so I told Cheech, I says, pantomime, the car, the lowrider car. Mm -hmm. And I showed him a little bit how to do it. And okay. And I says, and then once you get in, you know, then uh, I'll come out and uh, you pick me up. I'm a hitchhiker. And so you get in and, and uh, I get in the this car. This sounds very open smoke. Yeah. I get in the car mm -hmm. and, uh, and then first thing he does is take off real fast and I'm you know, I'm scared out of my mind because I'm the slow guy. He's fast, mm -hmm. and then he says, uh, "So we go, man. And, hey, right here is fine, man." <laughs> and that that started the humor, mm -hmm. and then that bit grew from from that and grew, 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 grew to become a movie. But yeah, well, that is the beginning but, of Up and Smoke. But what it did, uh huh, it created that character. Yeah, that Latino, that Chicano mm -hmm. lowrider character, mm -hmm. and he can't get away from it. I mean, he can't. He's gotten away from it since. Well, yeah. You know. I mean, he's done. But, the but when, when we do the when we do the uh, you know the Cheech and Chong's hits, greatest mm -hmm. hits. Well, you gotta. All right. So how did Dave's Nightmare happen? Well, Dave's Nightmare. No. Okay. So we get discovered by Lou Adler. Lou Adler says, "So what do you want to do?" He saw our act, and, mm -hmm. and then he he says, uh, "Well, we're in a record store." I said, "Let's let's make a comedy record." Who says, great, what do you need? And I said, $1,000. And then I said, I'm making $2,000. <laughs> There's two of us. <laughs> because Lou said right away, yeah, okay. I said, I'm making $2,000. So right away, boom, you got our money. And I said, and I need a little tape recorder to rehearse with. I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So next thing you know, I've got a little tape recorder. And then we need a place to rehearse. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little mixed-down room in uh, A and M Records, mm -hmm. and there again, there was freaky things happening. It was the same room where Charlie Chaplin shot a lot of his movies. Oh my! Same room. Oh wow! You know. Mm -hmm. So, so the first bit, uh, teach, we we had costumes for a live show. We're doing record. Mm -hmm. Cheech has to put on his costume. Aww. Puts on his costumes, and I. Cheech is so right to be fucking with because he's so serious. You know, when he does anything, he puts everything into it. So, so he's outside and knocks on the door, and I got the tape recorder. I don't know if it's working or not. And so, when he knocks, I looked at the door, and I look at back at the tape recorder. It's not moving. And so I said, who is it? And then she said, it's me, man. I got this stuff. And I see the needle moving. Oh, it's working. 
And I'm just kind of staring there, staring at it, you know. Then she talked again. And so I said, again, I'm starting to bit over again. Who is it? It's me, man. I could hear it. He's a little pissed off. It's me, man. Open up. I got the stuff. Come on, I think the cops saw me. Now I got him. I got him. So I just sit there and wait. God. <laughs> and then I go with that stupid story about who is it? <laughs> now he's getting better. It's me, man. Come on, man. Dave, it's Dave. Because he's trying to think of a name. And my my old oh, partner, partner was Dave. Mm-hmm. It's Dave, man. Open up. And I go, Dave? And I get here and put, yeah, yeah, it's Dave. Because <laughs> it was hot outside. And then I said, Dave's not here. <laughs> so you're just totally in the moment when you're doing this. He went nuts. He went banging. Said, I'm Dave, man. Open the fucking door. It's hot out there, man. Come on. It's hot. Starts crying, so I opened the door, and I swear to God, he almost punched me. He, he, he said, what are you doing? What are you trying to do, man? I said, listen, listen. So we played it back. Well, we must have played it back an hour. So he knew how funny over, it was when he, over, when he heard over it. And over and <laughs> over, so funny. But listen to this now. Lou Adler, we played for Lou, and then, now Lou, he's a producer. Okay, we're going to record that tonight in the studio. So we go to the studio and uh, we set it up, we re-record it because now we know what we're doing. Right. And we, it's done in like in a couple of minutes. What else do you have? Uh, okay. So we start writing. So we, we do Blind Man and Chipman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Another one. My, my brother-in-law, Floyd, uh, uh-huh. Three Dog Night. Yeah. Is, one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet in your life. Wow. Well, the musicians. Mm. They got timing, they got mm. everything, and they got humor. That's true, the timing. Yeah. And, and, and Floyd is so funny. He would imitate his, his uncles mm. when they got on the phone. Ah, yeah. 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 And so Blind Bill and Children started doing that. Blind, you didn't hear me. Yeah. We had, uh, to this day, in poor Cheech, because I, I, I <laughs> after we broke up, uh, you know, I, I got away, really got away from that kind of crazy humor, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, because it's, after a while, you know, you got to move on, mm-hmm. you do. And so then I, I, I made Blind a real uh, musician, mm-hmm. real, real musical guy, you know? mm-hmm. And, and Cheech was a little upset because it, that's not blind, as it is now, mm-hmm. it is now. But the old blind, oh, we had so much fun with him. Because, because we, it's a true story, too. Right. We saw uh, T-Bone uh, Walker, T-Bone Walker, the legendary guitar mm-hmm. player, mm-hmm. wrote uh, Stormy Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him at his, one of his last concerts. He was so drunk. They had to carry him up, set him in a chair. Then they put the guitar on him, and then he started just playing. And the strings were loose because of the travel, and so now the strings are, you know, they're not making any good sound. The bass player leans over, 
and starts trying to tighten, <laughs> tighten up the, 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 the strings. And then, then Chibo Bunny is a, kind of some kind of some kind of grunt. And he got a standing ovation. The crowd went, oh, the blues crowd. And Chich and I were standing there looking at, wow, we got another bit here. And we did, no, we, I don't know, 10 some odd years, you know. We did <laughs> I could make Blind, you know, I could get him, get him so crazy, so funny, visually, mm-hmm. that I could have people laughing so hard. That, that so this whole comedy thing for you seemed very organic. Like, you didn't have a plan. No, you just kind of were funny. It's just the, your, your influences. Well, again, musicians. When you're around really good musicians, you're gonna get you're gonna get so entertained. Mm-hmm. Like Gay Delorme really was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Gay, Gay <laughs> he he broke into some stores or something when he was a kid. He ended up in the in the juvenile mm-hmm. juvie mm-hmm. home, and that's where he learned how to play guitar, and that's where he learned how to do funny. Mm-hmm. Not learned. He was always funny. Mm-hmm. And he would imitate different guys, and he could do it perfectly. His, at the end of his life, his greatest thing was in imitating the Godfather. And he would, wouldn't break character. He would do that to people. And, and he's a, like, he's a phenomenal guitarist. You'll have to look him up one time. I will. Like, he's got, he's got some things. Do, do we have questions for Tommy? Mm-hmm. We do. All right, yeah. let's take some questions while we're here, and then we'll, we'll get back to the story. Because I, I want to hear how you guys made movies, because that's like a whole other thing. Because you've got to be, you got to have a story. you got to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and do all that stuff, right? Well, like, you know, I grew up with movies, mm-hmm. you know, and so... Kind of. Well, no, they're, they're ingrained in me. Like, mm-hmm. I, after, after my mom and dad, you know, after I grew up, you know, then... Then I started going to drive-in movie theaters, mm-hmm. and that was my date. Mm-hmm. Whenever I, when I take a girl out, I always do a movie mm-hmm. because you know, you know, the, the, there was nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, but to but still, day, you're still self-taught though with that, right? Did you well, study? It, you didn't no, study. No, no, it's like music. It's the same thing. I, I never studied music. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, like I, I never took anything really serious. I learned how to do it. On the job. Yeah, on the job, enough to get black. See, when you grow up the way I did in mm-hmm. the country, you don't waste time, you mm-hmm. don't waste energy. Mm-hmm. Because you always got something to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, a lot of it is just getting home. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you, know, you don't have someone to drive you or anything else, you got to strategize. And so, you take care of things because you have to. No one else is going to do it for you, mm-hmm. and you can't explain something else to do something for you. You know. So I, I'm a doer. I always have been. Like like when I do a podcast or something, I'll find a, a rubber band or mm-hmm. something because my hands always have to be busy mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. So are you always working on something? Yeah. Are you working on something now? Art wise? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm building a, a, a dancing partner for my tango, and uh, yeah. I am. Um, I Tom Bergeron was a friend of mine, 
And uh, I was watching last night your dances on Dancing with the Stars. How, how fun, was that fun for you? Was it torture for you too? You have to work really hard, don't you? Well, you gotta use your brain, you know. Like what I found out right away is that there's pros there. Mm -hmm. And so you tell the pro to dance with the pro. And then they show you how to do it. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I see, and then once you learn how to do it, then you do it. But you save it for the camera. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, like I don't have that excess energy to go out there and do it. That's how I do it at my age. You were the oldest semi-finalist ever, ever on Dance ever. with the Stars. I'm older than Lynn. I'm older than Lynn. Oh. Yeah. And but it, you use your head, you know. Uh -huh. You pace yourself, you know. You, you got to use your head. And then wait for the camera to be on, you know. Uh -huh. don't, don't do anything until the camera, until it's worth something. You know? uh -huh. Well, with movies, uh, because we're so visual, uh -huh. all we had to do in movies, whatever story we got, and just find areas where you could put the visuals and the funny. And the thing is, you don't want to, I always want to surprise people, mm -hmm. you know. And then, a lot of it is, it's like making love. You want to make it, you want to prolong it out, but not too long. You just want to bring it right up there so that when you when you stop, you got you got that feeling. Oh, I want to see that again. I want to, you know. That's a, up in smoke is a movie that people see over and over. I over I over have over. seen that movie more times than I can yeah. count. Yeah. No why? Well, the reason is is that there are a collection of little vignettes mm -hmm. that that keep you they keep you going. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, it's over. Let's see it again. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. And it's always funny. And it's 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 never be, it's never become and, dated. It's and I used I use funny people. Mm -hmm. That was the thing, you know. There, I I discover them all the time, and that was my 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 thing as a director. Okay, so let's talk about that. So directing is a whole another deal. Did was that on the job training? How did you learn how to direct? Well, I directed the improv. Mm-hmm. And a, a director really, their job is really to have the final say, mm -hmm. put it all together, mm -hmm. but get get a, get input from everybody. A lot of talent in front of you. And then when, once once you get that, once you get it all together, then like I did with uh, uh, the music, the Eric My Eye, mm -hmm. I, I produced that record. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't let anybody else do it because I had this feeling of how to. Make it so that it's it's new and exciting, and it builds and builds and builds and then boom, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, and again I'm not trying to sell a lot of things. I'm just trying to make one song. Mm -hmm. See, that's that's the whole thing. Focus. A lot of a lot of movie makers, you know, they get involved in the mechanics of it. Mm -hmm. They're going to get paid regardless, mm -hmm. and so they'll practice. They'll do this. They'll do that. They got you, you. got power, mm -hmm. and if you don't, you, if if you waste it, then you know the, the product will show. But if but if you use, try to get everything you can mm -hmm. as soon as you can, mm -hmm. because you never know what's going to happen. And do you prefer ha being the writer, the director, the actor? Do you prefer when it's your sh when you're when it's your thing, or do you prefer when someone else? 
I take whatever comes my way. You know, if I have to do it myself, I can do it. Mm -hmm. The thing I can't do, I can't uh, show and I can't uh, bait and switch. Meaning? Well, I just turned down a, a TV show mm -hmm. that uh, they worked very hard to, to put together. Mm -hmm. But the trouble was, it was called the Tommy Chong Show. Mm -hmm. And what I do, I let people do their thing for them. Uh -huh. You know, I don't interrupt. Hey, uh -huh. do your thing, do your thing. Uh -huh. Let me see what you got. Uh -huh. Now, but when it comes down to, say, shooting the, the, the pilot, uh -huh. then I, I'll, I'll, I'll take it and put it, take it all apart. Say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We can use that here, we can use that there, maybe. Uh -huh. But what we're going to do, we're going to go to the essence. We're going to go right to the essence of what, are, what you're trying to say. Uh -huh. And then once you do that, then everything falls into place. Then you go, oh, well, that'll work here. That joke will work there, you know? Mm -hmm. But, uh, and then you gotta, see, I've always, with the movies, I like, I like, if, I, if I'm not being, if I'm not laughing, mm -hmm. I wanna be admiring. Nice. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. That's why I love to have, Beautiful women, mm -hmm. in, 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 and not just beautiful women mm -hmm. for, for you know obvious reasons, mm -hmm. but I, I like to have like I, every movie I've ever done. I've always had a, 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 a substantial candy. beautiful woman. eye candy. Mm -hmm. I call it eye candy, mm -hmm. where, where, no matter what we're doing, oh look at her, oh, <laughs> oh that's cute, you know, like Donna, Madonna, Madonna wasn't wasn't a, a known actress, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Evelyn, she was a. a niece of a friend of mine, uh, mm -hmm. Tony Vascaro, who was the best friend of uh, Lenny Bruce. Mm -hmm. He was Lenny Bruce's father-in-law one time. Mm -hmm. He was married to Sally. Well, his cousin, Evelyn, was cute as a bug when, when we first met her. And she wanted to be a comedian, but she never really got off on that. But I could use her as Cheech's mm -hmm. love interest mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons, too. First of all, she's Chicano. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that, mm -hmm. you know. Even though, okay, we got Cheech in there. Now I get a Chicana in there. Mm -hmm. you know, no, no need to put some gorgeous blonde in there. You know, mm -hmm. there's a different dynamics. Mm -hmm. Put another Chicana in there, mm -hmm. and so then now the Chicana community can go, oh yeah, that works. Mm -hmm. That works. Mm -hmm. Paul Rubens, you know, when I saw him at the Groundlings, I said, got to, got to use Paul because he's so talented. Mm -hmm. And all the all the people I use do. I I, I go to improv groups mm -hmm. because they're all ready to uh, to add. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not waiting for the script. Right. You know, they're ready. How to much add. on your on your movie sets is in the moment? How much is on the page, and how much is happening? The page was like a like a map. That's mm -hmm. what I tell people. Uh, I mean, the the real script was written after we did it. <laughs> the, the map is there, okay, you know. Uh, so, like that scene in the car and up in smoke when the when the cop comes and you're doing that. How much? How much of that had you worked out before? Well, we worked it out in our in our uh, live act. So, like every single line of that, every single moment was choreographed. I mean, because it's so brilliant, it's hard to believe that you could wing that. Yeah. Well, no, Cheech. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Cheech. Cheech took it. How long you been here? A week. A day. What is it? A week or a day? It was a weekday. 
That's cheat. That's what he cheated. My scrotum. My scrotum. Pure cheat. You can't write that. No one can write that. You just put him in there and sing a song. Oh, my scrotum. That, that's cheat. I'm just a love machine. Oh. I, every time I hear that, I. Oh. Now, is that the funniest? It's it just it's visual, <laughs> visual. Hey man, if you hear us knocking, don't come knocking. If the, if the place is rocking, don't come knocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That it, it's 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 cry worthy funny. How funny that is. And with freedom, mm. you know, you're not censoring yourself. You're not mm. worried about the politically correct. That's why when Cheech pulled the political correction on me. With uh, with uh, Harry and Meghan, mm-hmm. he he actually tried to shut me. He just shut me up. Is is what? that has that been an ongoing thing with you? Because he doesn't seem like he's politically correct. I wouldn't think that of him. Um, you know, I've always has he gotten more conservative as I've always managed to embarrass him. <laughs> I've always have mm-hmm. right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is. I mean, who who starts a improv group uh, in in a strip club? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, normally you think a strip club you want to make money you want to get more strip clubs. Mm-hmm. No, with me it's a stage. Mm-hmm. Everything is a stage. Let's 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 work it out. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know that. And and when I met Cheech, I you know like I said I didn't know he was Iranian or what he was. I really didn't care. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. The thing is, he's funny. He's mm-hmm. funny. So it doesn't matter what he is. He's and so funny. now that you guys have have gone in separate ways and come back together, is it fun for you again? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can't imagine you guys are ever not fun. Well, with me, I take advantage mm-hmm. of, of the situation. How so? Well, it pisses my wife off. It pisses Cheech off a bit. Sometimes my son off. Um, I get an audience. Mm-hmm. I know I can make him laugh. I know yeah. I can make him laugh. I want to make him think now, mm-hmm. because I have that ability. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to take it just a little, few notches. Like I, I have an app. I don't know if you ever see it, but I have an app. I go on around four thirty or so five, and uh, I just. No, I don't know about this. I have I to just find talk, your app. I just talk about whatever. Whatever happened that day, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the election, Trump, mm-hmm. all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've got strong opinions. Mm-hmm. But what I do have opinions about is what I learned when I was a kid. What got me? What got me to hear? Mm-hmm. What, what did get me to hear? What gave me the, the, the balls to do what i done? I never studied acting. I never studied uh, directing. You never really studied music, so never studied music. So what? What? What's this? What? It's the power. It's the supreme power, the spiritual power. That's all it is. In the Bible, it says, "Ask and you shall receive." Mm-hmm. But you got to know what to ask for. Mm. See, ask for friends. That's a good question. It, this That's is really question. interesting. D. Wallace. Do you know D. Wallace, the mom from ET? I know yeah. what she did. So she's a, a, a self-healing uh, practitioner. Sure. So she told us that 
It's our job to direct the universe to what we want. Yes. So it's you have to say exactly what you want, right. and then it will be delivered. That's what ask and you shall receive. There you go. But you've got to ask. Mm -hmm. You can't tell. Ah. See? Ooh. Like, like, I, like I also put it in, in, in the Twitter. So wait, so how do you do that? Because she's saying to direct, so she's saying I am, she said we should say I am success, I am my, whatever. So what do you, how does the asking work? What should I do? That's a question. Mm -hmm. What should I, how should I feel? Well, in, in 12 step, that's very God's will be done, like your will, not mine. So is that kind of? Well, for sure. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Guess what? Now, take it one more step. Go ahead. Who's God? Well, I a higher power, a power greater right. than myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, you think it's you? Is mm -hmm. it what? It's you. Hmm. How can it be anything else but? Well, I think there's a divine presence in all of us. No, we are the divine presence. We are the divine. Okay. It's not in us. Mm -hmm. It's not separate. Mm -hmm. You can't separate, you know, your your finger from your your hand. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't separate your arm. Yeah, from but I've got a I've got a dark side. I've got a bad wolf in there that I've got to control. Of I've course got you a, do. I've got a beast. But in you know there. why? You know why? why? Because we're in a physical world. Mm -hmm. In a physical world, in order to have up, you have to have down. Mm -hmm. In order to have light, you have to have dark. Mm -hmm. No, it's your choice to, to, to mm -hmm. where you want to dwell. Mm -hmm. Do you want to dwell in the dark area, mm -hmm. or do you want to dwell? In, you know what I found out because I'm I'm getting epiphanies every day, mm -hmm. because as I get older, we have different problems. Mm -hmm. You know, especially with with uh, uh, what do you call it? being married to a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. You know, there there's a lot of things that that are no longer on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, and so what you have to do, you have to make peace with yourself mm -hmm. and, 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 and what I did what I've been doing mm -hmm. is accepting mm -hmm. see I, I, I've learned one thing uh, especially with uh, with married couples or boyfriend girlfriend I think women can read guys minds we're very good with that no it's not good <laughs> you can mm -hmm. men don't have a clue with, though whether you whether you want to or not, mm -hmm. now men can also we also can read minds. We can read minds, and we do. Very simple. We if, if you're connected with someone, you don't even have to be in the room. Mm -hmm. You can feel the change. That's true. You can feel the change. You mm -hmm. go, oh, why is he pissed off? Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. So here's what you do. Mm -hmm. And this is what this is why talk, you talk about comedy now. I, I'd rather leave people with this thought. You can't have two thoughts in your mind at the same time. Agreed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, whenever you start going negative, mm -hmm. change your thought. That's exactly what Dee told us to do. But exactly. Mm -hmm. Make it real simple in yourself. There's one word that connects the world. What's that? Love. No. What? God. Ooh. But a lot of people don't believe in God. That's a problem word for some people. Oh, that's still, that's their problem. Mm. One word mm. that everybody worships is God. 
Everybody has their own vision of what God is. But that's one word that is holy. That's the holy word. Why? Because you are really talking about God, the creator of this universe. There's nothing, there's nothing bigger or better or more important. So if your mind goes to God, regardless of you don't have to you don't have you to, don't have to discern whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You just have to put your mind on God. That's exactly where I am these days. And what you do then, mm-hmm. everything else becomes uh, friendly. Okay, so here, so th- it was said to me this way, be loving, be kind, give the rest to God. Give the rest to God. Mm-hmm. Start with God. Start with God. And then nothing else. Just the thought of God. Just the thought. Don't, don't make it a chore. Don't make, when you meditate, don't, 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 do you have your a mantra? cushions you, and you, everything else. How do you meditate? Do you have a mantra? I never stop. Mm-hmm. I never stop. Changing your mind. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Uh, I'm learning tango now. And 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 you know you know why tango is so hard? Why? Because it's so fucking simple. All you do is walk. All you got to do is walk. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can walk and think at the same time? No. What happens to you? You try to walk, you got all these things come in. So you have to stop. You have to stop and say, I'm just going to walk. I'm going to concentrate on putting my foot all the way down every time I take a step. And when you do that, you've got your balance. Mm-hmm. And when you've got your balance, you've got everything. Mm-hmm. So the simpler you go, the easier life becomes. I believe that. And so you don't have, like I say, you don't have to have any kind of system. No, it's it's fun, mm-hmm. you know. Just like me, tangoing. I, I, you know, I have to dress up. I have to go to the milongas. I have to find a party. Do you do this I'm with Shelby? Well, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. She's way, way, way ahead of me. <laughs> way ahead of me. I, I, I'm not good enough to dance with her yet, mm-hmm. but I will be. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, what I've learned mm-hmm. is that when you start going down a dark path, change your mind. Mm-hmm. Think of God. Mm-hmm. And when you think of God, all of a sudden, you can almost hear birds sing. You can almost hear, you can almost feel, you can feel, actually feel that you've gone into another dimension. Mm-hmm. And when you got into that other dimension, it spreads. It spreads. I do that with my wife all the time. And all of a sudden, she'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden, she'll just pick it up and she'll turn and look at me. And said, so, "Oh, do you want to? You know, oh, all of a sudden there's something light, light and beauty comes out of it, you know, because she's reading my mind. Mm-hmm. She's reading my mind, and, and all of a sudden she feels this, this, this comfort. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do, mm-hmm. like like with this this uh, virus that's going around. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that they don't have to wear masks or anything else are the people of God." They don't worry about masks. In the war, when the war was going and bombs are falling out, who was out there? It was the, the medics, the people of God. For some reason, there are no harms come to them. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're protected. They're protect, we're, we're protected. Mm-hmm. But we have to be protected here. We have to have this calibrated right. You know, think of it. And it doesn't, and when you think about it, like, 
when you get married, when you, when you go to court, you put your hand on the Bible and swear to God. That's very important. It's very important. That's why when Trump puts his hand on the Bible and swears and he does what he does, I feel so sorry for him. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to forgive him because I, I see how, how horrible his life is going to end up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so bad. Mm -hmm. and, and not just in this life, but you can just see all, oh, all the learning that he's going to have to go through. Mm -hmm. And so what you do, you feel sorry for him mm -hmm. because he's just another soul that, that doesn't know the secret. Mm -hmm. See, the secret is God. It's been written in every holy book. Every holy book that you can read mm -hmm. is in there that you pay respects to 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 the higher power. Mm -hmm. You are the higher power. You are the, and think of this too. Eternity. Mm -hmm. You know what eternity means? What? Whatever there is to do, we will do it. Yeah. Whoever, whatever you can see anybody. Like like I also believe that not only reincarnation, mm -hmm. I believe that once you become a spirit, mm -hmm. you can go into any, any, you can go into a rock, you can go into a, a bird, you can go into a, a cat, you can go into anything. Mm -hmm. Because it's a spirit. Mm -hmm. Spirits are everywhere. I believe that. You can walk in the houses and you can feel, ooh, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. But your spirit can make it right. Mm -hmm. Because your spirit, you see, when you go into anywhere and, and you realize, see, what you have to do is realize. You have to realize who you are. And that is realizing God. Mm -hmm. See, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. That's who I am. That's who you are. Mm -hmm. We are here. We're on a, a divine mission. It's not, it's not very easy. And it doesn't matter what you do or who you talk to. You know, like like now when I go out and I, and I sign autographs and that you know take pictures, you know, I can feel people. Like I'll walk in, no, no matter where I walk in, and all of a sudden people, uh, they'll love me. Now all I've done is walk into the place, mm -hmm. but what I carry with me is this awareness. See, awareness of God, and when you're that connected, mm -hmm. miracles happen. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Weathers change. Weather changes. Mm -hmm. I always used to joke with, with, when Shelby and I, wherever we went, she would bring sunshine. Mm -hmm. and, and no, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It was storming here, and boy, you should have been here last week. Boy, it was cold, and it was, we had hail, we had everything. And all of a sudden, da. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, it's that realization. Mm -hmm. And it's a practice that the more we do it, the better we get at it. Mm -hmm. Until you're doing like Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says he prays without ceasing. Now that's all he's doing, is just mm -hmm. keeping God on his mind. Is that how you got through being in jail? Because I heard that you've done that, you did it with tremendous grace. Oh. And that you made it a, a good experience for oh, yourself. I made it, a, it was a spiritual retreat. Mm-hmm. I changed everybody's life in there, <laughs> just by being there. It was funny. The because, king. No, not a king, more like a... A prophet. Like, well, they told me, they, uh, the, the one, one guy told me, he says, when I saw you, I, I, I saw this kind of, this aura, this glow, you know? And I just, obviously, this is, this is who he is. Because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. 
It's realization. Mm -hmm. And when you realize it, and that's why the, the, the uh, virus, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go through the world. Do you but think it's going to be a pandemic around everywhere? Probably. Mm -hmm. Probably. But it doesn't matter. You think people will be immune? People who are... Yeah, yeah. There are people affected. Mm -hmm. They're going to be affected. It's like, the, what, what is Passover? You know what Passover is? I'm a Jew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know what Passover is? What? Is when the spirit of death mm -hmm. was going to all these houses mm -hmm. and taking out the firstborn mm -hmm. of every house. But if you put the mark of God on that house, mm -hmm. then, then the spirit would... Pass that, over. That, that would pass over. Mm -hmm. see? But see, the Jews like to call themselves the, the chosen people. Mm -hmm. We're all chosen people. Because mm -hmm. you That's can't tell, you can't, when, when we're standing there naked, other than the circumcision, maybe, <laughs> you can't tell who's a Jew and who isn't a Jew. Mm -hmm. You can never tell. Because it, we're, it's, it's, it's crazy. Okay, we got to talk about one more thing before before we go to questions, and then we'll go to questions. We 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 we're talking all day long. I know. So, uh, but it, uh, it's wonderful. So, okay, so I I'm a marijuana addict. I, I started smoking pot when I was 13, and I smoked every day, wake and bake, all day. And for me, in my 40s, it just was pushing me around and running my life. And I had to. I made a choice to stop doing it because. I couldn't get through a day without smoking pot. I couldn't get through very much minutes without smoking pot. And for me, I was not, I did not make a million, you know, I didn't make all the movies. I didn't do all the things I wanted to do. I quit smoking pot and I wrote a book about it. And you wrote a book And about I wrote a book about it. And Carl Reiner published it. And, um, but, if I could smoke like you, if I could smoke and be my most productive self, I never got to have edibles. I never got to go into a pot store. I never got to. I never got to do all those fun things. But because you well, chose, because I stopped. Because I chose a long you time chose, ago to you stop. Chose I chose to stop. eighteen years ago to stop. So to be able to continue. So okay, you went through a period of three years where you were, where you were sober. Was there a difference in your life? Did you mark a difference, or no. not so much? I don't know. See, I grew up in Calgary, and when the guy gave me a, a joint in the, in the Lenny Bruce record, I put the joint in my pocket because I had no idea if I'd ever get another joint. <laughs> and so I just took oh, that. Oh, if you only knew. I took that joint, and I just took a toke and put it out. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. It's immaterial, you know. It's... Did you jones when you weren't smoking? Because I jonesed like a motherfucker when I wasn't smoking. You didn't jones when you didn't smoke? Not at all. Mm -hmm. Now you jones because you were involved with yourself. Mm -hmm. See, the secret of life really is to help others. Yes. Being of service it. is huge. That's it. That's it. As simple as that. I wasn't. So if you're jonesing, it's because you're not helping others. Mm -hmm. I like that. See? And that's what I did in jail. All I did was, I introduced the I Ching to, to, to people. I didn't preach or anything. They'd say, what are you doing? I'd say, hey, come on, I'll, I'll, I'll do a reading for you. I changed so many lives. Can, you, can you give us the five-minute version of what, what the I Ching is? I Ching, was, it was written. 
It's the same thing as flipping a coin, heads or tails. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is you flip three coins. Okay. And then you flip them six times. Three coins, six times. Mm -hmm. And then you write down uh, what, what, what is it? Two heads, one tail, two tails, one head. You write them down mm -hmm. into six, six, uh, what do you call them? Lines. Lines, yeah. Six lines, okay. Mm -hmm. And then you add up the total. So and numerology, kind of? So, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. the total of each one. Uh -huh. And then the I Ching will tell you, okay, you get the total there? Okay, you go to that chapter. And then you open the chapter and then you read your... So it, is it like a, a prophecy of what's going to come? Is it like a, a is it like a horoscope? Is it like a little bit of everything? Uh huh. A little bit of everything. For instance, uh, my my brother-in-law sent me the Yi Ching. Mm -hmm. First time I did it, guess what? First line says, "You are in jail for a reason." Wait, what? The first line, "You are in jail for a reason." When did you read that? In jail. Stop. And it then, literally said you are in jail. You are in jail for a reason. And, and then it went on to say jails are places where you correct your behavior. Wow. That's what I did. Did jail change you? Oh, big time. How so? It was a, it was a retreat. Mm -hmm. I could have been a monk. In fact, it was better than a monk because I was with sinners. With a ton of sinners. I wasn't with any holy people. I was with a ton of sinners. Mm -hmm. And they're the best. Mm -hmm. Because uh, they're the ones that need your help. <laughs> you know? yeah. Just a vibe. Just a vibe. For instance, after I did the I Ching, my I Ching, mm -hmm. this Michael, uh, yeah, Mike, he come along, he says, what are you doing? I said, it's the I Ching. I said, want me to do yours? And he said, yeah. So I, I did his. And then I, I, I didn't read his, his, his fortune or whatever mm -hmm. it was. I just handed it to him. And he read it. Then handed me the book. And he went back up onto his bunk. And he just sat there. So I was curious. So I remembered the, the page. I opened up page. And he had suffered a great misfortune. Um, a month after he got in jail, his wife and baby were killed in an auto accident. Mm. Coming to see him. Mm. Oh God! And it said you suffered a great misfortune. And what can you do? Yeah. So, is it directive to help, or is it just telling you what is the each name? It, it, got, it has lessons because it was done back in the day when, when there's emperors mm -hmm. and princesses mm -hmm. and Chinese. So a lot of the a lot of the talk is about the wagon rolling uh, over you know, down a path, mm -hmm. uh, the princess, uh, you know, the 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 emperor. It, it talks in, in, mm -hmm. in those terms, mm -hmm. but it was designed by a King Wei. His name was Wei W E W E. And he, he come up with it. Like I say, it's the same thing as heads or tails. Mm -hmm. You flip them up, and, but you do it enough times mm -hmm. so that, that you eliminate the, 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 the stuff in between. Mm -hmm. And then you get more direct into I see. Into, and, and so what, they, what he's done, because mm -hmm. he's, he's done every possible uh, 
combination, combination mm -hmm. for, for, for the and they did it for the the emperor by the way all this was done by the emperor mm -hmm. like the the I Ching not the I Ching the uh, Tai Chi mm -hmm. you know what Tai Chi is mm -hmm. okay Tai Chi was invented because back in the day the Chinese paid the doctors to keep them healthy mm -hmm. now if they got sick they they got no pay if they died the doctors were killed. Wow. That's called incentive. <laughs> I'll say so. So the doctors, mm -hmm. what they did, they studied. Mm -hmm. The medical guys, they studied. They studied animals, they studied nature, they studied everything. And what they found out is that water, mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's not flowing, mm -hmm. it becomes stagnant. Mm -hmm. And it becomes disease-ridden. Mm -hmm. So you gotta keep flowing. Mm -hmm. That's what the flowing is, mm -hmm. to keep your blood flowing. Uh, birds, when they when they get too much electricity in, in, in their in their body, mm -hmm. they, they, they ruffle their feathers. They, and so you, so you got to keep that that the feathers ruffled. And 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 so when they when they do like like uh, lions or monkeys and that you know mm -hmm. there's certain moves that you that you want to do in order to uh, to keep keep everything in your body flowing. You want to keep it the flowing. You want to keep the blood flowing, mm -hmm. and and you want to keep the muscles being used. Mm -hmm. You know that's why a, a lot of it, it. It doesn't seem like you're doing a lot of exercise, but you are. Mm -hmm. At the end of the tai chi, you know, it wears you out. Which is why I like uh, tangos, is is like that, except you're doing it with a with a with a girl, mm -hmm. and so it's more interesting than, than by yourself. But. I heard you say something about what makes comedy work is the pause, the break, the pause, pause, right? And so tango has the pause, right? Big time. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing I wasn't doing. I never knew how to do it. Because mm -hmm. I was a salsa dancer, and you don't pause the salsa. You know, you, but tango, you pause. Mm -hmm. You do it slow. And, and I've been learning, you know, off it. And, and if you, you go on, go on uh, the internet, there's a ton of tango teachers if mm -hmm. you want to find it out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but they, they, they realizing very important that we help help our our people. Mm -hmm. Very important. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here to do. Being of service, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what we're here to do. And the minute you you get sad, the minute you start jonesing on stuff. It means that you're not helping someone. That's a very good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because if I'm helping somebody, I'm not, and, and it also helps me because then I'm not in my own head making myself crazy. Hello. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And what's there to be crazy about? Oh, I can tell you a lot of things that I can be crazy about. When, when I was on Joe Rogan? <laughs> yeah. Joe said, uh, you know, he's a big gun advocate, you know? Mm -hmm. And all his listeners, you know, they're all. One of my people. oldest friends is his manager, by the way. Jeff Sussman. Do you know Jeff? I probably met him. Mm -hmm. But I said, and Joe asked me about guns. I said, no, nah, I don't believe in guns. Mm -hmm. And he said, why? I said, well, for one thing, I was an army cadet. I know what guns can do to you. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and another thing, too, is that think about it. What do you own that's worth another person's life? What is it? Show me. Show me what you own. A Rolex watch, a car, a house, anything. Show me one thing that's worth someone's life. Mm -hmm. You couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. 
But you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Because it's so precious. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, the person that you murder, they're fine. They go to heaven. They're fine. They're probably ordained. Most of the time it is. The guy that did it, they're the ones that suffer. Mm -hmm. Oh. And, and the suffering is, you can't sleep. Mm -hmm. You can't eat. You can't do anything. You, you got that naggy thing in your head. I watched a guy on TV. Uh, he was a serial killer. <laughs> but he was, he was, I only killed five people. That's not a serial. <laughs> and I cracked up. He was like, you know, and, no, I, I admit it. I'm a piece of shit. I'm terrible. I'm, you know, but I hate it when people start talking to me. <laughs> He's a serial killer, man. But you do have to feel sorry for him. Man. And he starts talking about his wife because she was involved in it too. Mm -hmm. He was doing time in Panama, and uh, which is actually quite nice, you know, for for a serial killer. Mm -hmm. But that's us. That could be us. We could be sitting in the behind that bar. That's his karma. He's going through a whole number of things. The same as the prison I was in, you know. You know who did the worst time in, in prisons? Mm -hmm. The guards. Because they're in there with you guys and they didn't do the crime. They do it, they're doing life. Yeah, they're doing life. Not only doing life, but mm -hmm. they're they can't relax. They gotta have a uniform. They gotta keep watching everybody. Yeah. They, they they can't look at us. I used to lay up in the sun like I was on a, a beach, and I pretend the guards were like uh, servants. You know, hey, can you give me a coffee? <laughs> Excuse me, I want to put a little suntan. <laughs> so, do you think so? Your karma was to be in prison so that you could be of service to the people in there. Do you hmm. think that's why you went? Actually, I don't know why. I think I think it had a lot to do with the legalization. Thing, you know, I think so that you could become an activist. Uh, so I could show the uh, because what they do, what they do, they give you a chance to 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 cop a plea mm -hmm. to do what they want you to. And do. you did it. To, you, from what I understand, no. you were protecting your family. Well, they told me if I did, if they didn't see, they had no, they had no evidence on me. I, I could have walked. I could have walked. Mm -hmm. It would have cost me money, but I could have. You know, that's a bomb. Mm -hmm. You know, ridiculous. And they were letting it be solid everywhere. All of a sudden, they, they decided that if you ship it across the state line, I should go to jail. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it was entrapment too because they had actually put a guy in in our shop to ship it across the state line. So it was all of that. Mm -hmm. But I thought the best message that I could deliver was to go do the time. Why? Because now they have to live with that. They have to live. They can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. George Bush couldn't get away with it. Joe Biden can't get away with it. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he sent someone to jail, an innocent guy to jail, mm -hmm. because of his lies. Mm -hmm. Because it was a lie. Uh, marijuana isn't a, a gateway drug. Marijuana is a medicine. Now, some people need it. Other people don't. Mm -hmm. But the greatest thing about marijuana is that you can quit. Anytime. It was really hard for me. But you did it. I did do it. Yeah. It was really hard for me. But physically hard? hard yeah, it was physically hard. I was totally addicted to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like having a lover. Yeah. But I get addicted to a lot of... I'm an addict, so I get addicted to everything. 
You do. Yeah. I get addicted to to love, to people, to food, to pot, to yeah. I'm addicted to everything. Well, that's your karma. That's 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 your. your that's life's my. Work. That's that's exactly it. That's my life's work yeah. is to temper all of that yeah, stuff yeah. and to channel it into good things, yeah. being of service. The experience, mm-hmm. and then you can help others, people. Absolutely. That's what I, that's what I'm talking about helping other people. That's what I'm talking about helping other people. Mm-hmm. That, because that's like like when I was in the in in the joint, uh, Jordan Belfort was there. Oh God! I have, I'll show you later. I have a picture of, of Leonardo DiCaprio holding my book as Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> but you you talked him into writing his book. Is that true? No, I helped him. I, helped I put him. him on the right path. He was. I was writing my book, mm-hmm. and he would come in from tennis and. From tennis. Yeah, yeah. I'm in prison. Yeah, yeah. He came in from tennis, and he had his lackey with him, his, his guy with him, and, and he's got to tell him, "What are you What are you doing? I'm writing." My well, I'm, I'm going to write a book. He's a genius. He really is a bonafide genius. He must be. And and so he started writing his book. And so he, he showed me a couple of pages, you know. What do you think? And he very proud hands it to me. I read it. And it was like reading Tom Wolfe because he copied Tom Wolfe. And so I told him, I busted him on it. He haven't written shit. And he was like, Shocked. Who talks to Jordan Belford like that? Me. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said, well, what do you suggest? I said, write what you know. Oh, good for you. I said, not only write what you know, but make it the biggest and the best. The most of, I told him. It's the mo- There's a most of rule when it comes to writing. Okay. And the most of is that it's not just a joint. It's the biggest joint you'll ever have. You know, it's not just a queen trip. It's falling down the stairs. Yeah, well, I know you and the biggest joint ever. That joint <laughs> up to in, in. Yeah, that was the biggest joint I've ever seen. That, so that's what I, I am. So you do that in life. You, that joint kind of represents sort of your... Yeah, well, it, it, it's entertainment. You're just entertaining, you see. But being the biggest, being the best, being, well, not the best, you're not saying the best, you're saying have, take everything to its... Well, if you're writing, if you're writing for people, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they want to see the, they want to see something, you know, they don't want to see normal things. There's a lot of things, you know, you're, you know, you show, stop, you're reading something, it's like, eh, that's boring. Because you're not learning anything. Mm-hmm. See, when, when it's bigger than everything else, you're learning something. Mm-hmm. That's what Up and Smoke was. Up and Smoke was like a, a, a manual. For, for people that don't know anything about the Chicano or the pot culture mm-hmm. to come in there and learn. Oh, this is what they talk, this is what they act, this is what they eat, this is what they do, you know? It's learning, learning the culture. Well, and it was also for us who were all a part of that culture to, See, to yeah. have this mirror put up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was pretty fantastic. Um, all right, so let's take some questions. What do we got, Hayden? All right. Hayden so, George back there, by the way. Thank you, Hayden, going, being very quiet. This is just listening <laughs> I, to I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I'm really listening. Um, so uh, one is, so in one of your earlier movies, you worked with Pee Wee Herman before he was big. Yeah. What was it like interacting with him before his... He was a genius, movie? another yeah. genius. Yeah. He was Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. He was uh, playing the, the, the Groundlings. And he had a ton of characters. And so when, when I approached him about the movie, he says, uh, so wh- who do you think? I says, uh, 
I like peewee. <laughs> he says, okay. So it was, it was that simple. No, he, he's a phenomenal actor. He's a really sweet guy. Really sweet guy. I recently saw a video of him performing his uh, stand-up skit while he was still developing Pee-wee Herman. God, it was phenomenal. People were on the floor. Oh. It was hilarious. Oh, what he could do. Yeah. He had a little bit where he'd get on his toes. Did he do that? <laughs> yeah. With his running shoes? He'd get, he'd get on his toes and walk on his toes. Oh. He was, he was great. He was, he was a freak. Uh-huh. He was really a freak. And sweet as can be. Sweet as can be. It was weird when he got popped, you know. For, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. For, that's affected his life in a big way. Un, un, you had, you, for you, it was different. You made it work for you. Well, it wasn't a sex crime. You didn't have shame. No, 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 no. It, it was uh, no. It was like the innocent guy getting thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. And especially a, a pot activist. Not so much pot activist, but more of a you know a Bible thumper almost. You know. Mm-hmm. To get me in there, because you know? right. I couldn't wait to <clears throat> to uh, to experience. It. See, I go back. You know, my one of my best friends, when we were both fourteen, fifteen, I think it was fifteen. Mm-hmm. We got in trouble. Uh, joyriding, it's called in Canada. Uh, car theft anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But what you do, we would do. People would be warming up their cars to go somewhere, and we would get in, take the car, and take, the, take it for a run, you know. And uh, and uh, unfortunately, he overturned this one car and, and uh, almost killed a bunch of people, and uh, and he ended up going to jail. Well, when he got out of jail, he was all ripped and buffed, and we're, we we looked exactly the same when he went in, but mm-hmm. now he's got this body. And I thought, I always thought to myself because I had quite a few friends that were in jail because mm-hmm. my house was so my mom and dad were so friendly mm-hmm. that I could bring people that just got out of jail and they would stay at our house mm-hmm. and uh, be a halfway house mm-hmm. and so I had heard a lot of jail stories mm-hmm. and it was almost ordained that I was going to go to jail yeah. Yeah. any other questions yeah um let's see so someone wants to know a little bit more about your experiences with Jackson 5 back in the day well, unfortunately, I just saw them uh, well, like everybody else, you know. We were there a week, and so uh, we saw them every day with Michael. Michael would pull a little, uh, little carton over to the mirror, and then we'd get up on the carton and stand in the mirror. And, and, and <laughs> How, he was a little head. kid. He was tiny. He was... He was a tiny little guy. <laughs> and he picks his hair, get ready for show. Like I say, he's a little adult. And you get up there, and he could do all those turns and dances and everything else. And Joe, Joe was quite funny. Joe was like pure ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. The ghetto. And so when they got their contract, Motown gave him a contract. Joe and Bobby brought the contract to me because I was the whitest guy they knew. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked like a lawyer. You yeah. know? <laughs> I had glasses, you know. And, 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 I saw a picture of you actually from back. Yeah, you yeah, had straight yeah. hair. You, you were well, you looked straight, yeah. Black hair, and, and so I looked like a lawyer. And so I took the the contract. And, yeah, looks okay to me. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, what are you going to do? You know, Motown was the best company you could sign with, you know, and it did well. You did well. Yeah. Anything else? Um, let's see. Do you have any movie plans for the future you're thinking about? We do. We do. In fact, I can tell you on screen, we had a meeting at CAA. Cheech and I, my son Paris, who's mm -hmm. going to be producing, and uh, with a with a company, with a, and and I love. Well, see, I did a movie called uh, Color of Space, Color Out of Space or something. Anyway, okay. with a Nick Cage movie. Yeah. And I had a little bit part in there, mm -hmm. and uh, and so the producers of that movie they come up with this idea of a, a serious Cheech and Chong reunion movie. A serious? Serious. Yeah, um, I love it. Really? Yeah, Cheech too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because it's a it's the opposite uh -huh. of what we do. Uh huh. So it'll be more interesting. It'll be very interesting. And of course, at the end, we we're back being Cheech and Chong. <laughs> well, that's good. I like yeah. that. Well, no, but that 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 that's how you do it. That's a way to do it. You know, use the serious stuff to set them up, set them up, set them up, and then we. No, there's funny with serious. There's funny. it's just a different kind of laugh. Okay. You know, it's not so much an escape as as it is. Uh, it, it, like a character study? Is it like a character study? Well, yeah, it will be all mm -hmm. of that. It'll mm -hmm. be all that. Mm -hmm. uh, like serious things with Cheech's ex-wives, with me and. Uh, it's autobiographical. No, it's fiction. Okay. It'll be fiction, mm -hmm. but with a little, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's autobiography. Everybody. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what it is. So yeah, that, that's in the work now. And the good news is that Cheech and I were both at the meeting and we didn't buck out. <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't slam the door. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah that works. Out. You guys are getting along okay? You guys mm -hmm. getting along well? I just left him. I just left him a, a, a while back, yeah. No, we're getting along really well. Mm -hmm. yeah, Cheech, Cheech, yeah, he, he messed up his knee. That's why we're not working live. You know. mm -hmm. But we're going to start working again uh, in June, and I'm looking forward to a new show. I think I'll do. I think I'll do first of our. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, retirement? No. What do you think when you end your show? Like shares, last farewell tour. Uh. So I think we'll do our first farewell. I was going to say, yeah. it's because you're doing your first, because there yeah. would be many more. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like that. That is it. Okay, all right. Well, Tommy. Think you got enough? You know, this is just thrilling for me. Well, I got to tell you, you have a, a, a charming way about uh, of you. you. You know, you got a very nice uh, way of enticing guys like me. No. <laughs> well, you were uh, willing, and the fact that meeting in a Chinese restaurant parking lot and just asking and you saying yes, and then here it is just two weeks later and you're here and you're, you're in my living room. It's my son. And, oh. I'll take it. Hey, look. <laughs> and we I'm, got I'm more. doing the show <laughs> in the way of, where are we? Montrose? Montrose. Montrose. We're doing a podcast. Kind of. No, 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 no. We did that earlier. No, Cheech. Remember I told you I had that podcast to do later today? 
<laughs> you did forget, didn't you? I, I'm going to leave pretty soon, right now. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Hysterical. Well, anyway, um, I'm really, really grateful to you. You've been a hero of mine for a very long time, and I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for a lifetime of laughter that, um, as a, a pot smoker, as a comedy enthusiast, um, you've just been um, a wealth of joy. And now all this spiritual stuff, I just love it, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for for doing this, sweetheart. And Hayden, thank you for, um, and thank you all for, for joining us. We'll be back, uh, I, I don't know who's coming next. I, I can't, Bennett Salve <laughs> is coming. He's an incredible composer. He's composed a lot of television and he's a great musician and we'll be back with Bennett next week. And Pete will be back and thank you so I much. I gotta go pee real and bad. He's gotta go pee. So we're saying bye-bye. We'll see you next week.